Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. With you as always is me, Gnarly Canary, and today I have with me... Nick Garber, uh, president of FG Comics, creator of Phantom Hawk, and pretty cool dude and artist. Woohoo! And Stephen Kemp, uh, co-writer of The Ballad of Destiny Tortillas, an upcoming independent comic book to be published through Apogee Comic Books. Thank you, Nick. You are welcome. I'm also the artist on The Ballad of Dusty Tortillas. Yes. All right, so Dusty Tortillas, let's get into that. What 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 is Dusty Tortillas? Uh Dusty Tortillas um is a, is the idea that my brother Brendan and I have been kicking around for the uh for the last two and a half years. Um it's a story that starts uh with a breakfast taco. No joke. Uh he was literally eating out of a uh, out of a taco truck. Mm. Um just about just about two and a half years ago, and uh, they add a they add a little bit of uh, flour to the tortillas so they can stack them up and they can pull them off without them ripping, sticking together, stuff like that. And one morning they just added a little too much, and uh, my brother took it and he looked at it, he turned to his buddy, and he said, "These are some dusty ass tortillas." And then he was like, "That's it. That's the perfect character name right there." He texted me immediately, called me after his shift, and then we decided this has got to be a comic book, and based on the name, it's got to be a Western. Nice. <laughs> well, that's why yeah. I signed on with the book, is um, Brandon hits me up, and he's like, hey, I noticed that you're an artist and you're a vet, and we get to talking. He goes, hey, man, I'm going to pitch this idea to you. And he, and he goes, the, the book is called The Ballad of Dusty Tortillas. I'm like, stop, I'm in. <laughs> Because you don't want to know anything else. I'm like, I don't care. I'm in. Just the name alone. I'm in. Right. It's an observation that I that I haven't really made before, but it's almost got like a Dick Tracy hook to it. You got like lips manless, you know, and, and flat top Jones. Oh, see now you yeah now you got me on board too. Yeah, and, and the um, influenza. Uh, um, there's some of the other characters that like Dick Tracy. They're just on the uh, nose names, you know, and that's what they have going on. That's what we have going on in Dusty. Prune face. Prune face, yeah. Little face. Uh, heels beels. Heels beels. beels. <laughs> that's some old stuff. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was born out of a name, and we started uh, coming up with where it should be said, and we decided it was gonna uh, it was gonna be in Kansas because uh, they uh, uh, corn stalks boom there. Um, and so we wanted him to be the son of a, uh, of the owner of a local, local tortilleria, uh, living, uh, living in the fictional town of Melville, Kansas. Uh, Melville, of course, means flower town in German because uh, a yeah, lot of stuff, yeah, not a boat. Um, a lot of stuff started getting bread themed, uh, early on. <laughs> Really quickly, we started that gluten free uh, crowd's gonna feel left out. You're gonna get complaints. They will break into so many hives if they even attempt to read. Hives no of woke rage. Woke rage. <laughs> I'm um, impotently angry <laughs> for no reason. There's pills for that now. How uh, dare you? <laughs> um, so we uh, so we started creating a few other a few other characters and based upon uh, their roles in the story where they fit in they started getting you know, like Nick was saying real on the nose names um, 
like a, a very affluent mayor character who uh, everybody, you know, it's an open secret that uh, he lives well beyond his means and his gains may be ill-gotten. So that's our Mayor Fuller Pockets. Oh, see? That's greatness, though. <laughs> see, I told you. I yeah. like, once they started telling me more about it, I'm like, I know I said I was in, but I'm like super in now. Right? Awesome. And yep. so we... Uh, started putting together uh, kind of a uh, uh, it's um, I, I would say that it's a relatively serious narrative um, and that's and that's what's kind of the fun of it is that you have this pretty colorful world where this relatively serious thing is happening and then there's tongue and uh, cheek jokes and there's silly characters who um, they, they, they do things the book does get a chuckle out of you it does attempt to do that and what I like to say is that this uh, this book this narrative this story um, it's always trying to entertain you if it's not uh, if it's not a thrill ride if it's not a thrill ride in that moment then we're hoping it's funny you know and if gotcha. it's, and if it's and if it's not if it's not funny in that moment um, then it, uh, then it's going to be intriguing and if you don't like anything else about the book at all at least we've got Nick uh, doing the line art for us and uh, and inking so the book's going to look spectacular too oh thank you I appreciate that <laughs> I mean puns are big right now you probably get people just on that alone Probably, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I know what you Beyond mean. Beyond the nose character names, um, the best way to describe this book is it's Blazing Saddles as if it was directed by Quentin Tarantino. See, yeah. that's even more of a selling point. <laughs> but you've got to have that, a... That hyper-violence and just that over-the-top humor, over-the-top violence, and it's just, it's funny, it's entertaining, it's got some serious points, you know, it's just, it's a fun book all around, and I can't wait to get it out to you guys. We can't wait to get it out to you guys. Sorry, Goose. <laughs> I only have two requests. One, somebody gets kicked in the jalapenos, <laughs> and two, the guy's name has to be Habanero Harry. Habanero Harry. Write that down. I Getting can, kicked I in his jalapenos. <laughs> That's jalapenos for everyone listening at home. Jalapenos. The jalapenos. I don't want none of them damn jalapenos on my nachos. You know what? We got one of these reward tiers um, called Posse Up, and there's one left to be claimed. It's... It's three hundred bucks, but I know they're like, man, that's, that's that's pricey. But what you get in that is really cool. And one of them, one of the parts of it is you, uh, your name and likeness ends up in the book in Dusty's posse, where I will um, kill you. <laughs> I will Excellent. Kill you. So you, your name and likeness gets in the book, and hopefully, there's somebody out there that's listening, that's going. Jalapeno Harry or Habanero Harry? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then we do can the start that hashtag. They yeah. would not want my name in there because Canary's just ugh. It's a good name. Jason, <laughs> Jason Canary. Hey, look, yeah, it was a good name after I learned how to punch kids in the mouth in about fourth grade <laughs> yeah. when I got tired of getting called Tweety Bird and everything else. Well, you know, you might you might have a. Um you might have a personal connection to the narrative then because uh, Dusty Tortillas, um, while that's what the uh, titular character is often called, that's not his name. Um, hmm. his, na uh, his name is, uh, is Dustin Baker. I can read the overview as a uh, as like the movie guy. Yeah. yeah I got the movie guy. Up right here. All right, here we go. Because I'm formal as fuck. <laughs> when Dusty Baker, a.k.a. Dusty 
Nikki Tortillas interfered in an assassination attempt on the mayor of Melville, he unknowingly took the first step down a very treacherous path. Aided by his lifelong friend, Misty Trousers, our young hero begins <laughs> to uncover a conspiracy that could jeopardize the entire town. <laughs> yeah, we had to throw that in there. Movie, movie voice guy is awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. So Misty Trousers. Yes. Oh, yeah, and her, her father's the sheriff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his Pat Trousers. Pat, yeah, Pat, Patrick Trousers. You know, so... Oh. And the joke I make, which is not really canon yet, but is uh, when his, his family crossed over, you know, left Germany. He's originally German, so his last name was originally Hosen. You know, they changed <laughs> the Trousers. That's oh not my a god! Bad detail to put in that that'd be easy to put in. I like that. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, what Nick was reading from is uh, our Indiegogo campaign, which is live right now. We're uh, we're fourteen days uh, we're fourteen days out. In fourteen days, it will close. We have uh, we've made eighty seven percent of our goal of three thousand nice. dollars. So if uh, so, if uh, anybody out there, yeah, all we need is uh, is one posse up. And uh, and one quick draw, and I'll go. Uh, I'll go through exactly what all that means. So for our, uh, if you don't mind, no, go ahead. Is. No, this is your. Okay. Yeah, this is your episode. So chill away, brother. So uh, I'm just an empty vessel. Uh, <laughs> Fill me, oh uh, lord. <laughs> He's an empty taco. Fill him. Empty taco with extra cheese. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> no jalapenos. Uh, on uh, on Indiegogo for uh, uh, for one dollar American um, is the uh, Howdy Partner that gets your uh, that gets your name in the back of the book. Basically, we'll have a thank you page at the uh, at the very back of the book. Uh, every single one of our contributors is going to be in there, and every uh, every tier hereafter includes the Howdy Partner. Uh, so I'm not going to mention it again. Uh, Five dollars. The Telegram. This is the digital copy of Dusty Tortillas uh, number one, which is planned to be uh, an ongoing series. Probably going to switch over to a graphic novel form after this. This one is going to be a 24-page full uh, full color uh, floppy. You know, typical comic book that you used to be able to find on spinner racks and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was that format was important to us. Uh, uh, starting uh, starting out, especially with our first book, which is also why we were able to keep the uh, the overall cost of uh, funding this thing relatively low. Um, but fi- uh, five dollars that gets you a digital copy, uh, so it's the absolute minimum you need in order to in order to be told the first part of the story. Um, Seven dollars that's the single action um, that gets you a f- uh, that gets you a physical copy of the book, um, along with everything else. Um, Okay, number uh, ten dollars. That's the custom single action signed physical copy of the book signed by artist Nick Garber. Ooh. That's me. That's me. Uh, thirty. Uh, thirty dollars. That's three of a kind. With this, you get a digital copy, signed physical copy. Um, a mention on thank you page, like I said, but also will be included a pinup poster. Uh, who's going to be uh, a minor character in the first book and is going to really shine? Uh, going to really shine in the ongoing story uh, is Ms. Myrtle Lynx, the owner and operator of the House of Ill Repute in Melville, the aptly named Grindstone. Nice. <laughs> I'll take um, two. 
<laughs> yeah, so you'll get um, so you get a, a pinup poster of her if you go to our Indiegogo uh, page. The uh, the art for her is already finalized, so you you know exactly what you're getting into. Uh, Forty five dollars is the Gunslinger. The Gunslinger, all previous per, uh, perks as mentioned, but also you get a ke- uh, custom sketch card from Nick Garber. He's really working his ass off for this one. Yeah, but it's 54 backers right now, which is really impressive because the amount of money that's bringing in. I mean, yeah, we're we're really close to the goal, but just 54 backers brought us almost to this. Oh, you know, wow. usually I, to my previous crowdfunding campaigns, you know, they they've all had like. 100 150 backers just to get like three three thousand dollars yeah that's awesome you dude know? you know and this is 54 backers and we're at two thousand six hundred thirty eight dollars we're so close to that three thousand dollar goal and we got 14 days left yeah, you 600 know. of that was just in uh was just in a quick draw uh the quick yep. draws are our hundred dollar tier and the posse up the posse up too. Yeah, the, uh, for a hundred dollars you get everything I mentioned before. But uh, all of the all the art is being done uh, physically on paper uh, using using real ink, real wow. pencils. Um, and so uh, ten uh, ten of those pages, only ten, uh, only ten, uh, will be given away as part of the quick draw perk. You will get an original piece of art that was scanned in to make this comic book. That's badass. And of course, the posse up. That's where your name, your name and likeness gets written into the book. Uh, of course, you will not survive. And we added a clause: names submitted by backers to be used in the book are subject to approval. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> be. Say, oh, my name's Aston Wipes. I can't be a pair of gay Irish mercenaries named Michael Fitzpatrick and Patrick Fitzmichael. <laughs> that is allowed. That's yeah. It's really for people to. Basically, so people don't make their name like a racial slur or something that's obviously trying to yeah know, trying trying to deconstruct the book in some way. Right. Michael Fitzpatrick is fine. You know what? Michael Fitzpatrick works because we already have a character named Patrick. <laughs> yeah, but he has to fit Michael. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> for those that's for those long lonely nights on the range. Hey, you know. Um, Modern historians say that, that that was not uncommon on the open range. It got, it got lonely, not a lot of women living in the West of them at one time or another. Yeah, see, and the guilt from that is what created alien abduction stories. <laughs> there we were. Out on, we had just driven 500 head of cattle, and me and Carl there, we done ate at the griddle, and then we laid to bed, and next thing you know, these green men came in and diddled us in the butt to see what we was made of. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other guy over there is like, that green suit fit perfect. <laughs> I don't know how them aliens got a hold of KY Jelly, and maybe they got a Walmart on Venus. <laughs> Real cowboys smell like Beer, cigars, and Astroglide, son. <laughs> Ain't you never been to the rodeo? It's going to be a good time. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> okay, so so what's the... Uh, oh, go ahead, dude. No, no, I had nothing. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, what's your, do you guys have a ETA on, on when the issue will be out or... August. 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 Okay. Maybe a little bit sooner. Um, as soon as this thing hits, you know, it hits its goal. 
I'll, I'll be hard at work. I'm already hard at work doing it, you know, that and running Apogee and putting out other quality books. Go to ApogeeComics.net for more information. And yeah, guys. Stuff. Um, yeah, so August will be, it'll be done. I, I, I'm quite confident I can knock out a minimum of three pages a week. Wow. Um, on my days off, I can, that's probably where I'm really going to pick up slack. I just humbly saying that like, I can know I can do at least three pages a week, you know, pencils and inks. Um, if I can do more on my days off, just lock myself in the office and, you know, put on some Weezer or the Ramones and just go nuts. Then I could probably do another two or three pages on top of that. See? Yeah. For, for promotional consideration, uh, we, uh, we put, uh, we put out, we put out some art, made sure that money was in the, uh, was in the right place, uh, because we didn't, um, well, we didn't want to feel like anybody was working for free. Uh, and so the book, the book itself is waiting to be in production as soon as, you know, we have enough, uh, as soon as we have enough backers to actually put money in the hands of Nick, uh, in the hands of our, of our colorist DC Alonzo, because we don't want them, you know, working on spec and then suddenly, oh, we're not going to sell this. <laughs> Sorry. That, that's happened to me quite a bit. <laughs> it's like, I gave you five pages. Yeah. yeah, there's no money. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. Wow. <laughs> not that I do it for the money, obviously. I Somebody's mean, I putting on a green suit. Someone's putting on a green suit and putting on them bug eyes. <laughs> Get the cattle prod, it'll work. Um, well, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily to say that, you know, you like you like being paid for your art because like at the end of the day, like it's not about money, but it is what I'd like to spend the majority of my I like to spend the majority of my time writing. And if somebody wants to give me food and uh, food and lodging and a discretionary account for entertainment in exchange for me doing that all day, that's fine. Right. That's so when I'm like 60 years old, I'll be on the corner with a sign that says we'll draw for food. Or lodging. Yeah. Or entertainment. <laughs> I'd specify very finely what you mean by entertainment. Yeah. I don't think I... I'm going to let their imaginations run wild. Oh, hope that muscly um, paper boy comes around. <laughs> shut, your, shut your fat ass up before I cough some bacon off your back. Got <laughs> mm-hmm. some ice cream cones in my basement. <laughs> Come here, you piggy son <laughs> bitch. <laughs> You know, there's a video. There's a video you can find on YouTube where they found him in real life. It's like this big fat older guy who owns like a like a small pond, and he lets like college kids come and crash there on spring break. And they're oh, interviewing wow. him because like a couple kids had drowned over the years or whatever. And, oh, wow. and he starts talking, and he's literally like, "Yeah, I like with them spring breakers come around and go swimming in the swimming hole." I swear, it's the exact same voice. It is crazy. Oh, wow. What's that character's name? Like, guy? Herbert. 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 The pervert, yeah, yeah. Mr. Herbert. Yeah, Herbert the pedophile. See, now I'm going to look it up on YouTube now that... It's amazing, because it's like this fat old guy with no shirt on, of course, and he's like... Of course. Mm, I love when them boys come on spring break, come swimming in my hole. <laughs> But I can oh, thanks, Mr. Herbert. <laughs> the whistle. How do they yeah, get that whistle down? That's hard to do. It is. Basically, you start by teaching yourself the gopher from Winnie the Pooh. The say, but I, I, I have a friend who can do I can't do it. I can't do it. But yeah, you start with like the gopher from Winnie the Pooh, and then you work yourself up to Herbert. 
Which is a really weird you thing to say. Your tongue, right? Yeah. See, I can't do that. I'm a Texan who cannot do one of those loud, obnoxious whistles. I can't. I'm a Texas import. I came from California. I can't do it either. There you go. <laughs> I can, but that's because I'm an obnoxious up north Yankee. I'm a masshole. Oh, I'm totally a masshole. <laughs> Even though that state breaks my heart and makes me sad with the condition it's in, but yeah. Well, that, that's Boston is the is where my family when they came over from Germany in like the late 1700s, early 1800s. That's where they came in through, and they were like prominent in Boston and Massachusetts for the longest time till Damn. you know westward expansion, and then they all kind of like went to California. You know, there's a Garberville, California, and and. I think it's in Southern California, but so I have this huge connection to Massachusetts, this huge connection to, to Boston. I'm a Sox fan. Um, I'm not a Bruins fan though. I'm a St. Louis blues fan, you know, so go blues. wrong with you. you guys win tomorrow night. This episode is over. <laughs> Jason's flipping tables. I can't believe I let this asshole on my show. You take your punny cowboy story and you go straight. No, um, <laughs> You hit the bricks. Oh, my, my sports teams are eclectic, man. It's like, so for baseball, it's the Sox. For hockey, it's the Blues. For football, it's the Bengals. I don't follow basketball. I'm sorry. So I don't really oh, yeah. I, I, I love teams that just, you know, emotionally kick me in the jewels. In my hot, in my jala penis. <laughs> kick me in the junk. I just follow the Harlem Glo- uh, Globetrotters. There you go. You'll, <laughs> your team never loses. That's how you do it. Yeah, afterwards they get cocaine and hookers. I mean, I'm more of a Washington. I'm more of a Washington Generals fan, really. Look at listen to this guy with his underdog love. <laughs> One day they'll win. One day. One day they'll defeat the Harlem Globetrotters. But it's not this day. Not today. No joke. When I was a kid, I kind of liked the Super Harlem Globetrotters cartoon where one of, they were like Rope Man and Fluid Man, and one of them could become a basketball. Hell yeah, that and the I crossover they did with Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, they would meet the Super Harlem Globetrotters every once in a while. <laughs> Dude, the only Scooby Doo episode I could sit through was the one where Batman and Robin was on it. I am one of oh, those. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh. Too. I can't yeah, do Scooby Doo. The Casey Kasem, um, and then the Supernatural episode where they ended up in Scooby-Doo. That one was really cool. Huh. What? You never seen Supernatural Scooby-Doo episodes? They did, where they got, um, it was like this possessed television, and it sucked them into an episode of Scooby-Doo. That's kind of badass. Um, Gene Winchester was trying to nail, um, he's like, man, I don't know which one I want to nail, Daphne or, or Velma, I don't know. Dude, Velma. Uh, yeah, Team Velma, every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, Team Velma, you know. I like them nerdy, dirty, thick, and curvy. Right? I was going to say thigh highs, low self-esteem. <laughs> she could... Oh man, I just... I appreciate her <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and her ugly duckling syndrome, but that's because I don't want to have a show after this, after the feminists hear it. Yeah, they don't want to get shut down by the pound me too movement. I mean, hashtag me too. <laughs> Oh jeez! That was let me went out on there. <laughs> well, I just thought it was funny. Like when that whole movement started, it was like I remember when the hashtag used to be the called a pound sign, and I just thought it was uh, funny that it's okay. this. Me too. <laughs> now it's this anti um, sexual harassment, anti sexual assault movement called Me Too, and they put the hashtag on there unknowingly. You know the the old name for that was pound. 
So you've made your movement pound me too, which I found hilarious because I got a fucked up sense of humor yep. from years of yeah, military. You know, so when I realized that, and I was like, you named your anti-sexual harassment and assault movement pound me too. What? See, yep. Oh, I'm an old airborne guy who also grew up before Generation Pussy took over. So, yeah, I have a bad sense of humor, and I grew up on rotary phones where that was pound. Oh, yeah? Yep, pound me too. Rotary phones on the kitchen wall with the super long telephone cord. That your mom could ninja whip crack your ass with from a different room. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I live in South Texas where I am like the ethnic minority. It's predominantly Hispanic, you know, and they talk about the power of the Shankla mm-hmm. flip flop, you know, being able to use it like a batarang. You know, well, white moms in suburbia in, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, they had the telephone whip. They could get you with that thing like Indiana Jones and not drop the call. And not drop the call. And you'd be sitting at the kitchen table, and you think you were on the sly saying something you weren't supposed to say or doing something you weren't supposed to do. And next thing you know, it's like, ah, I wasn't even doing anything. Stop. What color was yours? We had that weird, like, okay, we had one that was like an off peach, kind of beige-ish one. And it had a 30-foot cord on that stupid thing. The nice coiled so it hit in multiple places, not just once. Yeah, so I'd be I'd be in the living room. My mom would be, you know, in it in in the in the front room of the house where they had the phone, and she, are you still playing what whatever on Nintendo? I'd be like no, and then she'd hear the digga digging of the pause, and you could oh yeah, bah. and boom, and, like no eye contact, just whoop your ass without even having to know exactly where you were because that cord could reach every corner of the room. Oh yeah. It had to been like 20 feet long, you know, if you stretched it out. It was still pretty long all cold. We had the wooden spoon. Uh, we we didn't ah. get we didn't get hit uh, hit too often. When we did, it was it was it was a bit of a thing. We'd be called in and say, "Okay, you did this thing," and we told you you were going to get hit if you did it, so you're getting hit. Uh, and so they'd swat our ass with a wooden spoon, and it hurt. But the whole time I was thinking, "You're going to cook with that later." <laughs> <laughs> Can I have some more Asperger helper, please? Yeah, helper. <laughs> Mmm, tastes like corporal punishment and love. <laughs> it's crazy. I'll have the uh, macaroni and disciplinary guidance, please. You know, I don't know that we have any corporal punishment scenes in, uh, in Dusty Tortillas, honestly. I don't remember seeing anything like a note. No hangman's gallow, nothing. So no, probably need to yeah. put one yeah. of those in. Hmm. Yeah, that might be that might be some uh, some considerations uh, for book two. There might be some spanking going on the grindstone. We'll see. Hang 'em high, Harvey. Hang 'em high, Harvey. Everything starts with an H. Hang 'em high, Harvey. Habanero Henry. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm a one note joke. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought it was Mr. Reference. You're talking about an executioner, an executioner character. I'm just talking out of my ass. Oh, okay. he's just throwing it, throwing stuff at the wall like we all do, like you all creators do. Me, We're just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. 
See, that's just it. Is I write? I, I was saying on the episode I did earlier today with um, Sean Forney, like I can't draw. Like I look like even at thirty eight, my Ninja Turtles still look like there's something wrong. Um, <laughs> like it wasn't just the mutagen. There may have been some incest involved. Oh, nice. Yeah. So with the uh, with the Mona Lisa, the the sixth Ninja Turtle. I don't ever want to talk about the fact that that was a thing once. <laughs> actually, um, you know that was up on Netflix until a couple months ago. They actually had that series. Which one? They did a ninja a live action Ninja Turtle series. They, Do they really? Try to cash in on the popular, nice. yeah. Trying to cash in on the popularity of the live I action movies. Remember that? It's so bad. Uh, kind of like my, the, my uh, favorite, the Justice League TV series that made it didn't even make it past the pilot. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You okay? So there was <laughs> you, had the, you had the Flash series out with uh, John Wesley Ship. John Wesley Ship. Yep. Um, which I thought was awesome. Also, I had Mark Hamill as a trickster. Um, so the studios were trying to cap, capitalize on that, and it was on CBS, which I think was the network that the, the original Flash series was on as well. Um, so they had this pilot for a Justice League of America, and it had, it had the Flash, but it was like the worst cosplay-looking suit ever. And then you had Martian Manhunter, which... The makeup effects was so horrible, it looked like someone put like a cardboard head on the guy and then just kind of left out a mouth opening so he could talk. Um, who else did it have? It had a Guy Gardner Green Lantern. Uh, it just ain't that hard to do the Martian Manhunter. He, no, you just paint him green. Yeah, he changes himself specifically to look more uh, to look more humanoid, to, to look so that it's not so abrupt when you see him. Right. Even that, and even though he can be completely human, even his Martian Manhunter form is a facade because he just wants to. If he's going to be a superhero, he should still look approachable. Right, exactly. And Guy Gardner's easy. You get some soulless ginger who with a surly attitude. Uh, so they had, oh, they had the Atom. Really? Oh, yeah. It was a, oh, okay. It was a TV movie, so it was trying to be a pilot. Boo. And it was, um, so you had Ice, the Atom, Fire, the Flash, Martian Manhunter, and Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. Um, who else did it have? They also had the Weatherman. What was the angle here? I don't know. An evil weatherman intent on destroying New Metro City with a series of malevolent meteorological mishaps. Can the superpowered and semi-unemployed semi Justice League of America save the day, or will New Metro be drowned in a humongous tidal wave? Written by John Johns. <laughs> now see. Oh, oh here, here's here's one thing about the semi-employed thing. Um, now I don't I. I yeah, I read most of the uh, the Green Lanterns Rebirth one that was uh, started by uh, Ethan Van Skyver. Yes. Um, yeah, and it was it was pre it was pretty good. You know, I wasn't following uh, I wasn't following the fact that Ethan was on it very closely when I first started. When I first started, and past the point I was done, I need to look back and see if I checked out when Ethan left. We'll see. Uh, um, but. One thing that they address is that the Green Lanterns have to get jobs. Why isn't being a Green Lantern their job? Like, can't they get can't they just make a um, an agreement 
with the local leaders of whatever economy they're operating in and say, these guys save your planet all the time. Can you throw them at least 50K? Yeah. Right. At least. The, the Heroes, Heroes Defense Fund. Oh, sorry. I think I just gave a shameless plug to Mark Wade. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, you're telling me that Alm can't set them up with a bank account? Exactly. One of the first intellect, you know, um, sentient intellectual species in the universe, and you, you don't think they accumulated some wealth? <laughs> Come on. No, nah, they're broke as hell. They live in a commune. <laughs> Hippies. Yeah, everybody, everybody wants to be in the Lantern Corps until you find out that everything smells like patchouli and lack of ambition. <laughs> Has no money. There's no 401k. Health insurance sucks. But Everyone calls you brother and wants your cigarettes. Yeah. Right. Everyone calls you brother and wants your cigarettes. Hey, man, you done with that? Actually, it was a whole thing because uh, Simon Boz, uh, who was one of the uh, one of the pair of Green Lanterns for that story, uh, they all have their uh, little installations in orbit of the planet that they're mm-hmm. attempting to secure. And Simon was just squatting in there. See, that's <laughs> awesome. Literally homeless. That's awesome. <laughs> um, we were talking briefly about that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action nonsense. I have to say that my favorite thing about it, if we're talking about misguided uh, pilots, which you could pretty much call that entire series of pilots, just a failed idea. Um, when they pick up Mona Lisa, or when we first see Mona Lisa, it's an establishing shot of what's very clearly a temporary building made in a like a feudal Japan style um <laughs> Uh, architecture and the caption underneath it is somewhere in China. Nice. This this was China in the nineteen nineties. <clears throat> it's not Narnia. Like you can just say a city or a cardinal direction. Right. <laughs> in the southern foothills of China, near the wall of China, outside Beijing. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Yeah. That's how few fucks they gave. I mean, I think it, it, it. I mean, I think it was the whole like it's got the four turtles in it. Those idiots will watch anything. I think that that was the mentality behind that. Yeah, and they were right because we would watch it during that time. Look, the Ninja Turtles went on a music tour. Okay, look up the rap rap. It's one of the best. It's one of the most underappreciated Christmas songs ever. Teenage Mutant Ninja yep. Turtles, the rap rap. Is that the one by um, Vanilla Ice? No, no that was rap. that was okay. Go Ninja Go. Blech. Okay, so this is TMNT Rap Rap W R A P Rap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there you go. You don't even oh, need to. We wish you a turtle Christmas. Yo. Oh. That's one album. What am I about to do to my ears for two minutes and one second? Uh, the words corn and hole come to mind. Not the game. No, it's not about sliding beanbags. It's um, it's kind of like what no, we talked like about earlier way. before the episode about um, you know, home on the range and stuff. And I'm are those the same suits they used in the live action series? Probably oh, not. Those were horrible. That that was probably their whole FX budget too. Was in those suits. It was because I mean the original, the ones for the movies were Hensons. Yeah. So. And these are not Henson. These are no. <laughs> no. These are they, these look like the current cartoon, but they're 
live action. Oh, I don't even. If, it, I, if I remember, I, I'm not even gonna watch the rest of that. That's that is just trash. I saw the opening art I, promo and dropped it. Oh man, yeah. The, those suits made an appearance on Oprah. Yes, and they did. Their mouths just don't move. They're just like a Chuck E. Cheese character. Yep, like just dancing around. I actually remember watching that episode when I was a kid. You caught the Oprah episode. And then just being like, what in the whole... Yeah, dude, for a while, Turtles was everything. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, no. And it wouldn't have been as big as it was if they didn't make it more family-friendly because the comic books were, like, super violent. I loved the books when I actually got to read them. Yeah, yeah, when I was old enough to read them. Everyone had the same color bandana when they started, you know, colorizing the issues because before that, only the cover was colored. Everything else was the black and whites were, you know, that's all you found in the interior. Yeah, it was all red. Everyone yeah. had a red bandana. Yeah, hyper violent, you know, snapping limbs and cuss words. Oh, beautiful, you know, as like a twelve-year-old kid, you know, I'm like looking over my shoulder. I'm like, man, I hope my parents don't catch me reading this. Oh, that's what. It, yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it was violence and cuss words. It was great. It was also weirdly concise because you're uh, you're front loaded with a lot of lore as far as like the um, the relationship between uh, Hamato Yoshi and Rokusaki. Mm-hmm. It turns out that Rokusaki is already dead, and the current Shredder is actually son of the Shredder, and they kill him in the first issue. That's uh, what I was going to say. Yeah, pe- people don't understand that Shredder story arc is like thirty pages long, and then they go to space. Yeah, it gets like they kill the shredder and then go to space. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, we're done now to space. Now to space. I think I had that action figure too. <laughs> the space turtles were the shit. You know, yeah, they, they all were. had the same. They all had the same jumpsuit. It was just the head. You know, the color bandanas were different. I think they had like maybe some uh, accent colors on the suit, if I remember correctly. Different stickers, if I remember. Dude, their merchandising people were genius. There were so many different variations of turtles. I remember I had... My poor damn parents, man. I had Samurai Leo. Yep. Uh, Oh, yeah. When when Turtles 3 came out and they started pushing the Samurai line. Yeah, I had the Samurai Leonardo. I had a couple different Donatellos. I had a biker punk rock Raphael. Yeah, I had one. one It was like a surfer guy in a Hawaiian shirt, Michelangelo. I mean, I had I had the original line, but then they started. Yeah, and then I had. um, Then they just started coming out with all kinds of weird animals that they threw in, like a one shot episode on the cartoon. Uh, What was that? Was Slash uh, the mutant turtle? I had Slash. It was a tortoise that they used, I think. I had Slash, Metalhead. Bebop, Rocksteady. Bebop uh, and Rocksteady. A couple foot soldiers, Shredder, Splinter. The original four that came out. Usagi Ujimbo. Which was a crossover, in my opinion. I had Usagi. Um, I had one that was like a frog. It looked like a toad. The face was like, the nose was like really turned up and kind of almost like sharp edged. I had... um, was it impossible that that was part of the Battletoads crossover? No, it wasn't a Battletoad. It wasn't a Battletoad. No, it was from the TMNT line. I know I... Uh, dude, they made an action figure for a duck that was on TV as, that they were watching. It wasn't even a character. They were watching cartoons. I remember that. Michelangelo was eating cereal. I had him. He had like a bomber jacket on. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was just an episode of 
episode I missed. No, it was literally duck right now. a cartoon that they were watching and the cartoon you were watching, and they made a figure for it. Uh, what was his name? Oh, the thing is that right now, he came with a forty-five caliber pistol. Um, Ace Duck. Ace Duck, yep. Dude, that was a time to be alive. The, the, the toy stores were, I mean, I remember when, what was it? Um, entire aisles dedicated to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like at Toys R Us, like those big long aisles, mm -hmm. all TMNT stuff. And then you uh, had, what, like, Captain Bucky O'Hare came out? Bucky O'Hare. Um, Exo Squad. Yep. Which, oh, those toys were expensive, though, because they were mech warriors. Like, they cost more than... But yeah, that was a time, dude. I had a paper route before yeah, I could get a work permit. I used to buy, I had so many freaking toys. Also, when I realized that if you bought the mutagen, the ooze, that it ruined your toy. Yeah. It sure did, and it smelled weird. Oh yeah, it was funky. All that yeah, slime, because I had a, I had a He-Man play set. mayonnaise in every can. Yeah, they, I remember I had a He-Man toy that you put He-Man in it, and then you put slime in this skull. Or something over them, and the slime would drip down and cover them, and it, it had the same smell as the stuff the turtles was selling. And yeah, oh, it ruined God. my He-Man because it got in the neck joint, and when I went to move his head, it came off. That's the plan. <laughs> right. That's the whole plan. Magnificent <laughs> bastards. <laughs> now you know what the thing is, and I'm sad that like this the show is gone now, but the uh, the team in T. 2012 uh, Nickelodeon show, which I guess they're all Nickelodeon shows now, uh, but the uh, the 2012 version, it had actually a really fun show within a show, uh, things going on, and they were unique uh, to every season. Yes. The Turtles would get obsessed with this one show, uh, and they were fun. I, I'd, I'd, I'd buy toys from those. I've had two of the Turtles on the show. Oh really? Oh, yeah, really? I had um, I was I was covering a con here a couple years ago, and I got Rob Paulson and Maurice Lamarche in person. Nice. Did an episode, and then uh, earlier this year or late last year, I got Cam Clark. Cam Clark was Leonardo, uh, the original Leonardo, and Rob Paulson was the original Raphael, and then the 2012 series Donatello. And I yeah. uh, found out that Cam Clark was um, Canada. For the English dub of Akira. Oh. So we acted out some, yeah, we acted out some Akira for the episode. It was really crazy. And then he's Liquid Snake <laughs> for Metal Gear, so then we did Metal Gear too. That makes sense, yeah. We should have talked Turtles. I'm still looking at this damn website. I didn't know it. The figures <laughs> came out in 88. Now, now you're gonna old. spend some money. Now you're gonna spend some money. Oh, definitely. I, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, yep. Owned it, owned it, owned it. Ruined toys with it. Ruined a window with it. <laughs> my mom off with it. Dad stepped on it. <laughs> you know? Dude, if I... My parent, right? So, when my parents... Um, when I was like 16, they, lo they lost their house. Um, just finances and stuff. And... I decided to be a complete ass from freshman year to senior year, so I got put in juvie like five times. So, boy, yeah, you were meant to be airborne, dude. Right? So, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Are my you a potentially criminal, maybe one in your youth. Have you thought about jumping out of airplanes for your country, dude? My recruiter was like, "Do you know how many of these waivers I signed for you guys that go eleven Bravo?" Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's that's even a case, you know. I had two choices: go to war or go to jail. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't realize. I was like, well, I'm 18. It's all sealed. He goes, no, son, we still need waivers signed. Um, but they, when they moved, a lot of my stuff got 
either left or donated. And you're talking like almost the whole Thundercats line original, the entire TMNT line original, a bunch of Generation 1 Transformers, more G.I. Joes than I could count. And they're all just like gone. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. My dad, like, I'm good with my parents now. Like, I'm a grown-ass man, so I fixed everything, you know. Um, My dad got hurt. Uh, in a propane explosion um, some years ago. And I actually went up to Boston to sit with him and, and my brothers and stuff. Cause I'm the only one that doesn't live in Massachusetts. And so I went up for a couple days and they were getting ready to have their basement renovated. So my mom was having me help clean it out, you know, cause my dad was in the hospital, so he couldn't do it. And they had contractors were scheduled and I opened up a box and I actually found my Jackal man. Oh, from wow. Thunder, yeah, from Thundercats, like in a box, and then a bunch of journals that because oh, I've always written, and you know, so like I was reading it, and I was like, boy, did I not like rich kids when I was in high school? A lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these, these like songs, because I've always been in bands and stuff. So like a lot of these songs are really angry. Like that kid was an asshole, and it, it was my stuff, and I was reading it like that kid was an ass. So, yeah, but I actually found my Jackalman action figure, and I was just like, holy crap. And then I actually got to have Larry Kenny on the show, and because I wanted to have him on for the 25th anniversary of Thundercats. He was Lionel, and come to find out while he's talking, he actually was Jackalman and Lionel on Thundercats. It was oh, crazy. crazy. Dude, he did a whole scene. He even said, he's like, I never read them separate. He's like, I would read them at the same time off the page when I was recording. So he did a whole freaking, you know, lead up to a fight, talking smack scene between Lionel and Jackalman, like on the show. My brain fell out of my ear, like halfway through him doing that. It was just crazy awesome to listen to. You know, it was like that. Um, Alan uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Who just had a whole gaggle of voices on uh, Masters of the Universe. He said, uh, I, "I met him a few years ago, and oh. uh, he he said he would just go after it. <laughs> and uh, and so, and sometimes you can really hear it because he's one of those um, he he's one of those old pros who um, uh, we didn't get we didn't do a lot of like deep lore questions for him or anything like that. But he's one of those guys you can tell he probably isn't as invested as your average fan." And so right. it, it, it's, this, it's this very charming workaday mentality. Where he's like, oh, when I was, when I was uh, cringer, I would be like this. And then, of course, the mermaid comes in and the mermaid sounds like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of that, like when I was talking to Cam Clark about, I was like, well, did you know that Akira was going to be such a, a such a thing? over here and he was like no I've, i didn't even watch it until a couple years ago it was just a job i did in the 80s yeah that's... right and like for us it's like dude that's akira like how big that is and to him he was like i was doing so much work back then he's like it was just another thing i read and he's that's like the... he's like a lot of the stuff was like that like so yeah i mean a lot of the older guys now it was it was work like they just did cartoon after cartoon after cartoon after cartoon Oh yeah, those guys were just constantly busy, you know, for voice acting and stuff. Well, it's 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 the idea that the creators would uh, would be uh, quite as invested as the uh, as the fan might be. That could be a little disillusioning, right? Um, I remember I was um, I was watching a documentary with uh, with Stan Lee, 
and he was talking about Bruce Banner, and this this was a this was a very teachable moment for me. Um, he was talking about Bruce Banner. And he's like, and you know, Banner, he's off doing uh, whatever whatever kind of science. Uh, whatever kind of science for the kind of scientist he is and like i was i was mad i, 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 I shouted at my television i was like physics <laughs> and that's when i realized stanley doesn't know because stanley doesn't care because it doesn't actually matter well see that's the thing is right. we make them icons yeah you know what i mean like i made rob paulson a legend, and then you meet him, and he's like the most down to earth, like nicest guy in the world. And in your head, you're just like, "Oh my god, you were Carl on Jimmy Neutron, and you were Donatello and Raphael, and you're Snowball on Rick and Morty, and you're this, and you're that, and you're this, and you're that, and you're this." And he's just like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, like, yeah, that that's my work. And in your head, you're just going 90 miles an hour on all the things they've ever touched that you love. Doing the podcast, you know, like going on two years now. I've kind of learned that that's how a lot of that is. Like, I'd be that's so the petrified about doing the con circuit is getting to meet these guys, you know, right? And talk to them, and they're they're just the coolest people. They have the best stories, you know, and, and they have no problem. You, there could be a line a mile long, and if they're in the middle of a story, just you're not going anywhere. You're you're gonna sit there. You got your autograph. You're ready to go, and he's just and they're just talking to you. You know, Chris Claremont's like that. Oh, shut up! <laughs> Him and Jim Lee like are like. Oh, oh yeah, I, I finally completed my X Men number one signature quest. Oh. Um, so I was at Mighty Con in St. Louis two years ago, um, and Chris Claremont was there. So I go in there and I had my X Men number one that had the fold out. Um, I have it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have the other four. Ones. I have all five yeah. X Men ones. Yeah, I didn't know how many I was going to be able to sign, and plus, I flew up there because I, I lived down in South Texas, so I only brought the one, and that was on my person at all time, you know. So I get it signed by Chris, and he, I didn't, I, I got the signature, and I was still there forty five minutes later because he was telling me stories. That would be you me. Know, he, he didn't sign anything else, and then Jim Lee, I got to meet last October. Oh. Um, got that, got the same issue signed. And then right next to him was Scott Williams, the anchor for Jim. You know, so I got that sign. So the only person I have left to get is the colorist, and I'm not even really sure if that's something I need to pursue. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, I have every X-Men 1 cover from that generation. I have all four separate ones and then the one with the fold-out. That is – that ugh, that Claremont Lee X-Men from the 90s is – that's probably one of the most – well, that's what kind of like revitalized me in comics. Yes, um, that's and I was trying to find the right word for yeah because like, it was getting kind of stale. Like um, I think I started getting into comics in like nineteen eighty five, nineteen eighty six. So I was seven or eight years old. Um, I I knew the whatever it was a cartoon at the time, and of course the old sixty six Batman series. You know, so I knew Batman, I knew Superman, um, Spider Man, Captain America, things like that. Um, I got like a really bad case of the flu. Mm. Um, it was during the winter time. My dad worked construction. He was a heavy equipment operator, you know, so during the winter, you know, when the rains come, you know, he's not working much, right? you know, so he goes out, he had to go grocery shopping and he picked up, like, I think he picked up everything on the spinner rack, you know, for, for you young guys, a spinner rack used to be in drugstores and comic books uh, and grocery stores. And that's where you'd get your comics usually, unless you were lucky to have a local comic book shop. Right. And good luck getting a sequence. Yeah. 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 You know, so I had no idea. Like, 
and and these stories would cross over like multiple issues so i had no idea what was going on half the time but the art was awesome because i'm digging into stuff that um you know george Perez, jim lee um who are some of the other ones neil adams uh you know all these guys that are i mean they're even legends back in the day they're definitely legends now they're practically gods um mm-hmm. you know and i was just fascinated you know so from like 86 to about 88 which is only about two years i think i was I was getting a little bored. I was getting a little older too. And a lot of peer pressure. My friends were like, Oh, you still read comics? And I'm like, Yeah. And they're like, Oh, that's baby shit. I'm like, No, man, this is cool stuff. Right. You know, you're you're stupid for not liking it. Yeah, break out the sound. I think I actually still have a George. Who comes out, next thing you know, everybody's a goddamn fan. That's what kills me today. Yeah. It's like, get out of my things that I like. You know. Common. It was cool for a (laughs) nice little niche. You know, secret organization almost. Exactly. And now it's all mainstream. And I'm like, where the hell were you guys when I was younger? When I was getting my ass beat because I was reading comic books. They were the ones beating your ass for reading comic books who now wear Avengers t shirts and think they're awesome. Well, it's the same guys that are friends with me. The guys that used to beat beat my ass in high school, you know, are like, oh man, I really love your artwork. You know, what? Could you draw something for me? And I'm like, yeah, you're getting charged three times the rate. Assholes. Right? <laughs> but no, I no, think I still have a... That's the thing about about it being really intimate um, is that you used to have... Like, there was like a lot of really weird avant-garde stuff. And, there, and in the independent scene now, there's a lot of... Like really, Grendel? Really weird. Huh? Grendel. Oh stuff like God. Grendel. I still have... I have a bunch of Grendels. I have three or four of the, the uh, thick cardstock ones they put out. And I have a Batman versus Grendel. That is. That's a... Uh, Matt Wagner. Yep. Yeah. Still need to meet him. I got some Grendel books I need signed. Yeah, it's it's even more yeah, underground than what James Obar's Crow was before the movie came out. <laughs> well, see, and I didn't even know about the Crow until the movie came out. And then, you know, you go into your local comic book shop. They're like, hey, man, you want to pick up a, a copy of the Crow? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, well, we got all we have is the trade paperback, and it's forty dollars. I'm like, well, then you need to find someone who has more, some more money. Because <laughs> I am not him, sir. But yeah, that weird that weird stuff that used to get put out that you used to have to hide from mom and dad. Uh, that was uh, that that was kind of uh, some of the thinking for Dusty Tortillas coming in. Of course, we don't have a kid audience, and there's no you're never going to pick this up on a spinner rack. Right, but yeah, uh, I, I know what you're talking about, though. Like a yeah, dirty, yeah, gritty. This, uh, gritty, uh, gritty, risque. It's definitely something yeah. that, that your parents would scoff at. And, you know, I had, uh, I had comic books like that when I was a kid. I had this, you know, uh, and Vampirella. That I, I, you know, I didn't have any Vampirella. I think Vampirella, um, Lady Death. Uh, I think I some Lady Death. Witchblade. Witchblade. What, what was the bob-haired redhead that was in the Lady Death universe? What was her name? Chastity or Chastity? Mm-hmm. She was a vampire. Um, Evil Ernie. I mean, these are all books that I kept next to my Playboys, you know, because it, in, I, in my eyes, it had anybody discovered these, they would look at them with the same, you know, level of smut, you know, I guess. Yeah, they'd get the, the, the heavy metal treatment. Yeah, and oh, heavy metal, there's another one. You know, there's another one that just inspired me, you know, in my artwork, you know. But what was really cool is, like, my mom was, like, super chill about it. She had always supported my artwork and supported my love of comics, you know, and, and you know, my creativity, you know. So she caught me reading Lady Death once, and I didn't hide it quick enough. She goes, hey, hey, what are you reading there, Playboy or something? Penthouse? I'm like, no, it's a comic. She's like, 
that's not a comic book. And I'm like, no, seriously, it's a comic book. She goes, show me. So I showed it to her. And she's like, oh, this is pretty cool. You could draw this. You know, thanks, Mom. You know? That's awesome, like, though. At the time, I'm like doing advanced stick figures. I'm nowhere close to where I'm at right now. You know, and we're sitting there reading comic books and shit. I think she was trying to ruin it for you with some reverse psychology. Oh, right. man. No, no, you know, um, you know, my mom's not with her. Like, if, if you had ever gotten a chance to meet her, she was super cool about stuff like that. You know, um, where most most moms would have beat your ass and thrown your stash away. Right. You know, comments or whatever. She'd be like, "Oh, okay, that's pretty cool." You know, I, I don't know I if she ever found my dirty books, but I know she's found my comics, some of the more risque ones. So, well, you had mentioned George Perez, I and I still one. have a Wonder Woman annual from like 1984 that he did. Somewhere. I met him at Dragon Con last year. Um. He was up in Artist Alley where I was at a table there, but Artist Alley was dead. It was just not promoted well. So That's we a freaking shame. There's so many people who go to I'm, – I'm where Dragon Con is. There's so many people that go there, and it's just it, – it's become what San Diego is. It's what trailers can I watch. Yeah. You know. Well, and- Nobody knew we were up there. Nobody knew there was a fourth floor to this convention center. And that's what I mean. The con's not going to promote it either. They're going to promote, oh, no. we have, you know, they this panel with these people. floor that said Artist Alley this way, and everyone just assumed that the floor they were on had Artist Alley in it. I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, George Perez got so bored, he just abandoned his table. He got, like, some little lackey that worked for the con to sit at his table, and he went walking around. I'm like, and at first, I thought it was a George Perez cosplayer. No, it was actually George Perez. Wow. Yeah. Super cool dude. See, the, pro- the problem with, with most of the cons that I've been to is that they're base they basically turn their convention centers uh, into big shopping malls. Yep. Like there's there's relatively yeah. little to do besides yep. just buying stuff. And a, and a lot of floor space is dedicated to stuff that's got uh, nothing to do even with the fandom. Like you'll have uh, uh, you'll have a big display for like Mountain Dew and Mountain Dew will be giving out free samples. And it's one of the most fun things to go to because everything else is like, you got $10. Well, not that I was going to spend here. Then we got nothing for you next. Yep. You know? So you go when you drink some Mountain Dew, you play, you play like, um, you play like a dancing video game uh, with the girls over at the Verizon table. And that's the con. Well, then, you know, then you have all the anime cosplay that's getting in the way of everything you're trying to look at and go do. That's true. I don't mind cosplay so much. No, I don't don't mind it. It's just, it becomes such a focus that you're like, oh, I want to go see this thing. Or I want to go check this out. Or I want to go, okay, well, you guys need to take everybody who wore something from this franchise hall length size picture five times. So I'll just wait and stand here for about 15 minutes. And I'll tell you what, there's some cosplays that are mind-blowing. There was a dude that was in, like, a 14-foot frickin' fully LED-lit Gundam oh, walking around. Nice. Yeah, and my jaw just hit the floor because it wasn't it wasn't a Mech Warrior. It wasn't Macross. It was a Gundam. And my, I was just like, holy crap, that's badass. So, it's, a, it's a Gundam! Yeah, see, and, and that's what I'm saying. I wasn't hating on cosplayers. It's just cons, I'm... I like meeting the creators. You know, that's why I have a podcast so I could talk to the creators. So all that stuff just kind of like gets in the way to me. And I actually I don't go to Dragon Con anymore because there's way too many people. I probably won't go again. I mean, Holy I took crap. like a three thousand dollar bath. Ooh, that, you know? yeah, that's not good. I I had talked to you know my artist friends that have done it in the past. You know, who bought tables at Artist Alley, and they're like.
like, oh, dude, it's probably one of my biggest paydays of the year. And I'm like, okay, well, then it's worth me spending the money on the table. I drove out there from Texas Ooh. so I could bring I could bring everything. The table was like four and a half feet long where I'm compared, you know, in comparison to other cons I've done, you get a 10-foot table or, a, or an 8-foot table. Yeah. You know, so, so I had to, like, MacGyver my, my <laughs> setup because everything I had was too big for the space. You know, and I, I'm just looking at it, I'm like, I paid 350 bucks for this table to sit here yeah to, to sit here and you know gas um you know parking fees because it's downtown atlanta you know just yeah it was like three grand that i lost i think i've made I, there was no profit but i think in sales i made like 200 dollars in sales over all four days uh, i was mad you didn't get proper parking no. I've done booths a couple of times, and they, they always give us something a little better. Dragon Con does not do that. I'm kind of hoping Comic Palooza has something like that, because I know we're going to get Dragon Con's up its own dragon ass, trust me. I've, having lived in Atlanta for almost 20 years now, Dragon Con is up its own dragon ass. And I know some people might get mad, but MomoCon and Atlanta Comic Con are way more fun and way more inviting to well, guest I mean, when I, I walked around as a guest for a little while, and I had I had a good time. There was some really cool stuff. Um, but as a creator, someone in Artist Alley, I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this show ever again because it cost me too much money. Exactly. You know, I'd rather do some of these smaller cons. And that's the funny thing. I'll do these smaller cons and make make really good money that gets me to the next con and allows me to you know create more product. You know, so well, the smaller cons seems to be where it's at. Well, you know, big draw cons and stuff like you talk about San Diego Comic Con. You, you can you can fill your day with nothing but like Disney premiere and panels. Right. Right. It's the it's the smaller cons where you're gonna you're gonna get people who are more interested in uh, in local artists, smaller artists, be un, uh, undiscovered and stuff like that because you don't have basically you don't have Disney. And it's pretty much just Disney now. You don't yeah. have Disney crap. Oh crap! Absolutely everything. Did you look at the clock? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a half hour past calling a restaurant up, for to-go food. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to do a second part and actually do like a good episode? Oh, uh, yeah. I want to do a good episode, but I'll do a second part. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm open all day tomorrow until four o'clock my time in the afternoon. And then after 10 o'clock at night, we got a Easter thing with the family tomorrow. And then Sunday I'm home all day. Uh, I'm open until game of Thrones comes on Yeah, after church. Um, so I can pause I this here. Tomorrow night, but I'm, I'm open pretty much throughout the day. If you want to wait till we're like a, a week away from the campaign campaign ending we can do that too and if you want me on as a co-host i'll be more than happy to do that as well yeah man Any, I like, anything I like yeah anything anything you guys want to do i can pause it right here computer will save it and we can just pick up even yeah, even, even when the long, conversation long, we're Steven, having I don't, I don't know what you're like i know i'm i'm open i'm free as a bird tomorrow tomorrow i'm free during the day me so too if you, to, if you want to hit it uh maybe around one o'clock uh central that works. Nice that'll be, yeah, that, that'll give me that'll give me another full hour or hour and a half before we have to go do something. Yeah, I don't have anything planned, so if anything comes up, um, I'll, I'll just have to shift it around. Uh, okay. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna jump off for now because my wife um, just texted me like, "Are you still?" I completely forgot. I got wrapped up into 
nerding oh, yeah, out. I mean, we're, we're talking comics. I mean, we could spend all day doing that. We could spend a week doing that. You have no idea, dude. I've had, yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah, sure, I could. I do. <laughs> there have been episodes where I had to trim it down to two hours from like a four hour conversation. Yeah. So, That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> all right, guys. So. As you can see, there was obviously a break in this episode. We did a two-parter. So here is the second part. No awkwardness at all. It was just a really long conversation that took two days to get through. Here we go. Uh, we went for like an hour and a half last time, and then it ended up with uh, with you saying, oh, man, we actually have to do the episode. I was like, oh, we did. <laughs> oh, no, I've got over an hour of it recorded. Okay. Yeah, I mean, from when I did the thing where I said, Happy Haven Podcast, and with me today is, and then you guys introduced yourself, it's been, it recorded like an hour and ten minutes worth of that hour and a half. Okay, do you normally, uh, do, you normally do a longer format? I usually, yeah, I usually go until it kind of, you can tell it's time to be like, pretty soon we're just going to start talking about last time we clipped our toenails, so... Nice. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that Which, one... To revisit that topic, it's been a minute. Right? No, um... my toenails. It was just the the last time, you know, we I had a date night plan with the wife, so I was actually on a time crunch. I'm usually not. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had a successful night, because I had managed to piss off the wife, and then later on Saturday morning... She was breaking dishes in my fucking kitchen at like 4 a.m. It was awesome. What did you do? Oh, wow. Uh, apparently, I was too flirty, and I didn't give up the dick in a reasonable and prompt manner. <laughs> to her? To her? Yes, to her. Okay. Guys, I saw I saw a bowling night pic on your uh, on your Facebook. I thought maybe you maybe you bowl in such a sensuous way. No, no, no. That given that was stuff. that was after she was already pissed at me. And then when I was like, "All right, fine. I love these conversations. I don't really fucking care," you know, because we've had so many of them over the last couple of months. Um, you know, so when she flips her shit, I'm just like, "Fine, you can fucking fight with yourself. I'm not playing along." And that kind of seems to change her tune to like. I'm sorry, I lost my cool. And I'm like, you're a psycho bitch. I don't want you anywhere near me. Mm. <laughs> you're you're crazy as a girlfriend, and I'm still fucking legally bound to you. <laughs> so, if you're thinking about getting married, uh, say- don't. If you are married, stop. <laughs> now, I actually, actually found one that likes what I like, but still... She got a sister? <laughs> no, she's an only child. Fuck! <laughs> she likes what I like, but still has enough of herself where we don't feel like we lost each other in ourselves, you know what I mean? Like, we can get together on a lot of common stuff, but still be individuals. I mean, we're going on 19 years next year. Um, nice. Together. I mean, we've been married for 13 or 14 but, I mean, she, she was able to mold me, though. Uh, she's nine years older than me. She scooped me up when I was 21. Uh, so. You were. <laughs> she was robbing from the cradle and you were stealing from the grave. Exactly. We call it. Love we it. were nicknamed Peaking and Priming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, Little you know, thing, you know, like that's why peaking at the same time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, I was uh, I was in a ten year relationship. Um, it ended uh, ended about two years ago, um, and um, this uh, what what happened was we were we were into all these act team stuff. We like nerdy movies. We like playing tabletop. Uh, Man, what's that like? Games. Huh? What's, that, what's uh, that like being with somebody that you're into the same shit with? When you're not doing that shit together, it gets real quiet because everything that you would normally talk about, you know, like stories from your so from your social life, you all the other one was there the whole time. You know, I'd rather oh, have that gotcha. someone that's like. An exact polar opposite. So I'm over here fucking like rapping geek shit. She just looked at me like, that's cute. When are you going to stop talking? I get that sometimes. Yeah, I get that all the time. And it's, it's sometimes it's like, it's almost pandering. It's like, oh, that's nice. I mean, the only thing she could do to make it worse would be to pet me on the fucking head. Oh, that's cute. You know what's kind of cool, you, though? You and your comics. You know what's kind of cool, though? Is. You know, when sometimes when we're laying there at night, she'll she'll be like, "Tell me about the origin of Logan," and she'll and I will literally just like, I would fucking nut if that question was ever asked in the bedroom. I was just like, and I will just blah 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 blah. Like, I have a heart on. <laughs> you, you, I stretch my arms out, and crack my knuckles. And I'm like, finally, next time to shine. Here we go. And she will literally ask me the origins of superheroes and then fall asleep to me talking. Oh, wow. Like, well, she, that, she will... That's really cute. She will. She'll be like, so tell me tell me about Bruce Wayne's childhood. And then she'll, like, tuck in and close her eyes, and it's like reading a bedtime story. I'll just tell her about Bruce Wayne's childhood. I start every story the same way. <laughs> See, what had happened was... And that's how I would start every fucking superhero origin... Tell me about Green Lantern. Okay, see, so what happened was, Aben Sewer was badly <laughs> injured investigating a case out in the cosmos. And that's how it goes. I'll be laying in the bed, she'll be on my chest, and she'll ask me a question, I'll be like, okay, so it's the 1800s, and there's a boy who's very sickly. Alberta, Canada. Yeah, right? There's a boy who's very sickly, and he thinks his name is this, but really did it, and... You know, and and Sabretooth's there as a child as well, and his father's his a really dog. yeah, his father's really douche. Like I'll just start with that, you know, and then I'll his just father's go. His name is Logan. He's a real asshole, but he's actually the real father of fucking James Howard the Third. See, like I'll go into all of that, and she'll just fall asleep listening to me. Brother, if you ever get tired of telling stories and she asks for one, just put me on speakerphone and let me write it. Right <laughs> hey, Nick, I'm slapping you in, dude. All right. So what happened was... <laughs> but what's cool is that we give and take with each other. Like, And I'm actually going to put this out there on the episode. We, we give and take with each other. Like, She'll watch Gotham with me. And Why anyone watch that show? Why would you do that to yourself? I love that show. <laughs> Really? I do. I yeah, after I really do. Three. See? I, I don't know what happened. I think it was like the mid-season break, and I got caught up with, like, I don't know, hookers and drugs, probably. It got uh, really Batman-y as the seasons just, went on. I, I think I'm just going to binge-watch it once it all shows up on Netflix. Yeah. But, like, no but like she like knows... Arrow and Flash this season is like, I was all into it. And I haven't watched any CW shows in, like, two years. Once it became all about... 
you know, everybody who doesn't agree with us are literally Nazis in a parallel universe, and this universe won't be able to sustain itself because everybody's biologically paired with the same set of chromosomes. So, uh, just like, yeah, like, once it got the to last that... Two seasons have been really good of like arrow and flash um let's just tomorrow is just a fun standalone f- series we watched all of them i just think it got a little s to sjw preachy for me well i mean what is it is, is it established superheroes they trying something new with what with legends of tomorrow no they're established superheroes i mean yeah i mean it, it is a team they uh, fuck i mean the, i mean these are like B and C list characters. It's their Guardians of the Galaxy, pretty much. Essentially, but they're time yeah. travelers. Yeah, right. So that's, that's, only that's one thing to the point where they even There's had Rory. They even had Rory the Roman from Doctor Who as their like main guy for a little while. Yeah. Okay. What well, I mean, he was. Uh, fuck. What was his name? What was his character's name on the show? He's a big deal about time travel and shit in the DC universe. Uh, damn. Uh, fuck it, whatever. But anyway. Hey, te- te- technically, anyone from Fourth World. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a, it was a fourth. It was a Jack Kirby creation. But anyway, um, but like we didn't have like, decent Brainiac Five stuff. Uh, they did. Did they do Brainiac on any of the CW shows yet? No, they did on Krypton. I knew that. Yeah, I knew they were doing it on Krypton. Well, you kind of have to. I mean, like they they retconned Krypton's history and destruction with Brainiac. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure which Brainiac it is. I know Brainiac was it Brainiac three that's with the uh, Legionnaires. That's five. That's five. Is that five? Yeah. Look, well, I just want to see. Krypton is that, that? That's probably one of the earlier versions. That'd be Brainiac. That'd be the original. I just okay. want to see a series about the bottled city of Kandor. See, I would, I would buy into that. Oh, with fucking Nightwing, like the original, like the original Nightwing and stuff. Not the Dick Grayson Nightwing, the le- the Legend of Krypton. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like. Yeah, that's sweet. Racing into Candor. He never went into Candor. But Actually, see, then you could segue it into Frank Miller's last Dark Knight arc where the bottled city of Candor got open, they all get full sized, and the Krypton's just rain hell down on Earth for a while. Oh, was that Master Race? Yeah, because that's the one where Bruce Wayne ends up young again. Like, Frank Miller kind of rebooted his Batman from retirement back to his prime. <laughs> Yeah, I, after, Why? Like, Dark I did see um, DKR2. I have it in my long box, but I never read it. And and a couple issues of DKR3. I got the uh, the variant sketch covered by Jim Lee because I'm a huge Jim Lee fan. And Me too. Shit, the guy could shit on a fucking napkin. I'd spend top dollar for it. Yeah, I actually bought. That, okay. I had the I had the whole master race done by issue. I didn't wait for a trade or anything. I actually bought that issue by issue. That's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to buy it by trade because if I go hunting for issues, that's just gonna drive me nuts. Yeah. Am I the weirdo for having no interest in the continuation of the Dark Knight story? No. The Dark Knight Returns. That's the well, good I thing about comics, y'all. dude. There's five thousand stories to choose one. Pick the one you want to read. Like that's the yeah, way I am. I mean, after the original DKR, I was like. That, that's all I needed. It, for me, it was a, a one-shot, and that's all I needed. There didn't need to be a follow-up. There didn't need to be any sequels or anything like that, but, you know. The Master Race story arc is really cool, though, because the 
the Kryptonians are dicks. Oh yeah, I mean, they've established that in DCU lore that that Kryptonians by far needed to be eradicated. <laughs> they are they're fucking dicks. They are super about themselves being better than everything that <laughs> that lives. You know, which is, is a total. Yeah. It creates a conflict inside my brain. It creates actual cognitive dissonance because growing up reading like um, the Basima books and. Some of the other fucking shit from like the 80s and, and 90s where like Kryptonians were like this helpful, hopeful, fucking peaceful race, you know, they're like a, a race of explorers. And then all of a sudden it gets turned around like, nah, they were really self-serving dickheads. Right. You know, and you're like, oh, my childhood has been fucking crushed. They were the elitist left wing realized. Bare minimum, they've always been arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Bare minimum, they've always been arrogant. Like, that's, well, even in that Super all... Girl, I was, I was uh, rooting for the, uh, the Daxium. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, when they start talking about, like, how fucking dickish the Kryptonians were, and I'm like, yeah, I don't make enough money to be a Kryptonian. I'm definitely a Daxium guy. <laughs> Are we already recording? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I mean, I can parse out whatever no, no, you're fine no I was, just, I was just thinking you know we're talking we're talking comic books and in multimedia this might be a this might be a good segment even though we got no segue who needs segues yeah we're just, just continuation from the uh previous dudes from dudes from 2002 we're all about them if that's who i can totally smell my balls right now it's gross i've never been on a segue uh, they're interesting. They're an interesting little vehicle. I skateboarded through my teens. The Segway just—I never got it. Like, oh, skateboard is way cooler, more fun, and keeps and keeps you in shape. It covered me in yes. really cool scars. Yeah, I was a BMX kid growing up. Nice. Really? I had friends who were like, we didn't have weird cliques growing up. Like where I grew up in Massachusetts, like the the rollerblading kids met up with the skateboarding kids and the biker kids would show up and we'd all get in trouble for greasing sidewalks and rails with wax and <laughs> breaking railings with their bikes while we were greasing up a sidewalk so we could do some gnarly grinds. Well, I mean, where I grew up in California was in the Central Valley. So it's a bunch of fucking farm kids, ag kids, things like that. So we built, you know, racetracks. Heck yeah. Um, and then one of the racetracks we built got a little bit more forward fives people put money into it it became like a park you know and then it became this big fucking thing which was awesome um and then i'm going in and i was doing that up until about my junior year of high school and then we moved down to san diego there's no fucking bmx down there there's roller hockey and there's fucking surfing yep so i was like all right well i'll try surfing so i tried surfing and i fucking abysmally suck at it but i kept going oh how many times you try a lot like up until I graduated high school in, like, 1996. So from several years of not... So 1994 to, like, 1996, <laughs> I'm, I'm there just getting fucking wrecked by small-ass little three-foot waves. Um, I did get better at it eventually. Um, and then they offered roller hockey as a letterman sport. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Because... I'd moved around a lot, and I moved around to places that actually had hockey, like Missouri. Right. I grew up you with know. hockey. You know, so um, I was introduced to hockey when I was eight years old. My grandfather uh, was in the uh, on my mother's side was a uh, in the concrete business, and he helped uh, refortify some of the uh, the stadium that the St. Louis Blues play in. Oh wow! So okay. I, I go up there. 
it was like early August. I was there for summer vacation. It was like the first time I'd ever visited my grandparents without like my mom or my dad. And uh, usually that motherfucker had me just working in the fields, you know, like I was a fucking slave, you know, picking corn, picking vegetables, um, working horses, shit like that, you know. So it was it was very ag based. So I was up from sun up to sun down. You know, working, working on the farm. Um, one day he wakes me up especially fucking early because we were going from Jefferson City to St. Louis, which is about a three-hour drive. What's especially early on the farm? The morning before? Instead of zero five, we got to be up at two in the morning. It was like zero two hundred, so dark thirty, pretty much. You know, like I, I didn't. I was eight years old, so I didn't have like a watch or anything, you know. But I just remember like, okay, I get up and I start doing my routine. He's like, no, 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 get in the truck. Now, my man, my grandfather on my mom's side was very short in stature. He's about five five, but he was built like Popeye. You know, had the same look, everything, you know, like the thinning hair on the top, the receding hairline. You know, the only thing he was missing was the sailor's cap and like anchors on his fucking forearms. You know, he tells me, he goes, get in the truck, boy. And I'm like, oh, shit, what's going on today? I'm like, oh, we're probably going to the back 40 then because it takes a minute to get there. You know, like my eight-year-old brain is trying to rationalize why I'm getting in the truck this early because usually it's work the horses, feed the cows, blah, blah, blah. So... And then we're on this, like, long car trip. And this dude is, like, dead silent. You know, anybody else, you know, would have been like, man, is this guy going to fucking kill me and leave me on the side of the road? No, but we end up in St. Louis. So I start seeing these bright lights, big city type shit. And uh, we were there to see the uh, St. Louis Blues in their, their summer practice. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, and being from California originally, you know, seeing hockey up front and personal, I was like, what the fuck is this? He's like, you never seen a hockey game before? And I'm like, hell no. See, that's <laughs> funny to me because I'm a Boston boy, so it was second nature. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys come out of the fucking womb with a stick and a fucking and skates. Well, I always told my youngest daughter, if you ever want to learn how to ice skate, and I told my oldest, too, I was like, I can teach you. Now, what I can teach you is how to go forward really, really fast and then <laughs> slam the kid next to you into the wall. So yeah. hard that their soul leaves their body for 0.3 seconds and you end up in the penalty box. That's how I can teach you how to ice skate. Too. Yeah, because I'm not, like, I had friends, like, they would go to the roller skating rink and stuff, and I was like, this is boring. Like, I, I just, it, anything other than, like, breakneck speed and crashing into somebody just to hear the air leave their body all the way down to their toes was, yeah. Anytime I check someone up against the glass, my goal was to try and push them through it. Exactly. You know, I, I, I was a defenseman. Now I'm about all of five seven, and at the time in college when I was playing for Fresno State, uh, I was probably like 185, maybe 190 pounds, soaking wet. You know, so I'm a I'm a very small defenseman, but I was very fucking fast, and I can only t stop on my right side. Nice. At five seven, you're just not that. Uh, at five seven, one eighty five, you're just not that small. Okay. Well, no, I'm like a tennis ball of mass. Yeah, <laughs> and you're and you're and you're going straight for their center of gravity. I'm a skating physics experiment. <laughs> That's I why am. my high school coach wanted me to play football. I wasn't, I wasn't very tall, but I was super fast and eat skinny, fat, jacked or not. I've been everything over the years. My shoulders are always like right five feet thing. wide. And he wanted me to play football so bad. I just, I like watching it. I didn't have an interest in playing it. Plus, all the kids in my high school who played football were dicks. 
and I didn't really yeah. want to be associated with them. Plus, the mohawk and the attitude and the in and out of juvie didn't help much. God bless you, sir. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I went to juvie like four or five times before I was 18. Okay, of all the people in this room, who hasn't been to juvie? I'm pretty. I'm guessing Steven hasn't raised his hand. Uh, first offense, I was tried as an adult. No shit, bad motherfucker. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> all right, then. One of these podcasts we do, man. I learned more and more about it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I got to know Brendan pretty well. You know, I didn't get to, I haven't got to know you very well, except for like the press tour that we've been doing. Yeah, that's been really cool, which is an interesting way to do it. Normally, <laughs> normally you've got like your uh, your stories down pat, and <laughs> but we're just gonna, we're just I don't know. Uh, this is more like just getting beers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I said when you guys first jumped on is like, this is not a regimented podcast. Like we will talk about your book, but other than that, it's all whatever. Which from that point. funded yesterday, by the way. Nice. So yeah. How transparent uh, you want to be about this being in two, uh, two parts. Doesn't really matter. I mean, we could just mention that. Hey, oh, no, 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 no. I'm asking because we could have, like, this just in. Dusty Tortillas was funded during the course of this podcast. Yes, it took a week to do this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally, yeah, because I'm going to have to load it as two different files. I can throw in my own audio file in between and be like, in the interim. In the interim. <laughs> five minutes later. Three hours later. Uh, yeah. So, we're, uh, we're 3000 bucks uh, on the button. Excuse me. Which means that uh, anybody... Who purchases this book from here on out? You're guaranteed a product, whoop, whoop. Uh, which, which is very, which is a very exciting time for anybody who backs uh, independent comic books because, especially, uh, there uh, there have been a, f- uh, a few campaigns because you know, like Nick said, we're on the press tour. Um, you know, we've seen a few campaigns, really, uh, really interesting projects, but you know, they've got a goal, you know, somewhere somewhere near ten thousand, and they got two thousand with two days out, you know, and. I, uh, I know it's difficult to be behind that eight ball. It's really, really. It makes customers really, really skeptical. Uh, and we have uh, we have a privilege of you know white privilege, huh? Yes, is it very, white privilege, particularly <laughs> white considering the book. Daggum, crackers always get they funded. Huh? Crackers always getting they funded. But yeah, this uh, this is straight up happening. And now we're all, all we're talking about at this point is uh, stretch goals. Um, the uh, the front runner for the um, uh, for the four thousand dollar one has been a uh, has been a Miss uh, Lynx ash can. But we've um, we we haven't quite nailed down exactly how uh, how we want to do that. I don't know if you want to parse any of that out right now, Nick. Oh, you know what? I kind of want to work with you and write the story. I kind of have like uh, I would. Make it more like a prequel, like how Miss Lynx came to be. Okay, secret origins, who she is and how she came to be. Not, yeah, like a, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> See, that's how you could incorporate Habanero Harry. Habanero Harry, yeah. You okay. could make him well, an ancillary character in a prologue. Uh, proprietor of, what, what's the name of the whorehouse? I'm sorry, the House of Ill Repute. Yeah. The grindstone. The grindstone. I keep wanting to call it the grindhouse. And uh, judges say we also would have accepted bordello. Bordello. <laughs> I think a house of ill repute makes you sound like you're a little bit more highbrow than you are. 
Right. Because you're using words like ill and repute. <laughs> but uh, well, and and also it, dri- it 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 drives home this idea. Well, not necessarily drives home the idea, but um, you don't disperse you don't besmirch uh, besmirch Miss Lynx too much. Uh, one, because in the story she's a community leader, and two, she's a hero character. You know. Hey. I don't besmirch him anyway. That's why that gets done. <laughs> I, I kind of see it as like a, a tale of uh, moving up the ranks, you know, through stacking bodies and fucking spilling blood, um, you know, and some back alley deals and, you know, Heck yeah. dagger type shit, you know, like, like Tom Clancy in the West type stuff, you know, it's like, oh, you know what? An episode of Deadwood. That's probably the best way to put it. Nice. Okay. Now, yeah. Habanero yes. Harry. Because he's so spicy. I'm already drawn. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, Seriously? I'm picturing the man with the yeah. most. <laughs> I'm picturing the man with the most STDs in town. Yes. Like, like an STD supervillain. <laughs> trying to, uh, trying to, uh, trying to bring his uh, his red plague through the grindstone. And it's up to when I drew him. <laughs> I drew him with a hop arrow in his mouth. Like that's yeah. his shtick. It's like he likes. Like sucking on habanero peppers, like Eastwood uh, cigar, like a cigar almost. But he's just kind of like always kind of like sucking on it every so often. Like, and it, this is how I imagine, like in a in a tense situation or a serious situation, you take a little bite out of it after he gets done saying something witty, you know. Mm. And then okay. I was like, "Hey, man, how can you always suck it on that?" I'm like, because I got a spicy tongue, you know, or. something like that you know i was coming up with a whole bunch of shit i was drunk right but with steven's with steven's description of him he could have a power move like the syphilis slam (laughs) not developing a wrestler here i mean we're developing a comic character syphilis slam i'm totally on board with where he just kind of like does a jimmy jimmy superfly snook off the the top railing of the second floor of the whorehouse and he just like hits you with his fucking taint and balls right in the face yeah see yeah but see then you'd have to rename it the gooch smooch oh damn it see there you go no but the syphilis that sounds that we'll make him a burly character and he picks the dude up flips him upside down and does almost like a tombstone on him so like the head's still in the junk <laughs> so he Hulk the syphilis smash, and he just drops him. And then he goes oh, to the man. top rope, and he gets he gives him the gooch smooch. I was thinking syphilis, uh, syphilis smash for uh, the naming conventions of these characters has sidekick written all over it. It really does. I was thinking that, too. I was like, well, maybe he runs the whorehouse, and his muscle that's the enforcer <laughs> is syphilis smash. Bongo likes Sheriff Bart. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, more than parsing out the story, one thing that that I was thinking about, uh, we were talking we were talking about who is uh, uh, who stands to benefit, um, and I always pictured us just adding the Ashcan to the book. Uh, probably at the back end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That way, I thought you know it'd be, it'd be a good way to uh, to cut on um, to cut on the cost of an additional print, and on top of that. Everybody five dollars and up would get the story. Yeah, that's crazy awesome. I mean, you know, I you know, I don't I don't know like what I, I me personally, as one of the writers, I don't I don't know what the cost of adding four pages is. You know, but I bet I I feel like we could cover it in a thousand bucks. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. hey, hey guys, this is how the I sausage mean, gets made. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, short of watching us kill the cow. Uh, I was going to say, you thought this was a podcast, but really, it's a business meeting. It's a business, yeah, that's how these things happen. Six a time. A lot of times they've happened in podcasts. Like, you know, that's a really good fucking idea, and I'm taking notes. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm just being a, you know, a sarcastic ass. I like that you guys moved on, too. You're like, stop it. He thinks he's clever coming up with names. <laughs> I'm one of you guys. <laughs> I want to work in the comics when I grow up. There are no bad ideas on Tortilla Team, just ones we quietly sweep under the rug and nod. Hey, it yeah, sounds like... We've got some bad ideas. Uh, <laughs> it, it happens. But no, I mean, fu- I mean, fully funding and then l- looking at bonuses, that's always good, because the fully funding part's the most, you know, that that's the most stressful. Now you guys can just, you know, toy around with ideas to incentivize even more people, knowing that it's already funded, at least, and then you can just go through and kind of play around now. Right. I mean, it gives you a little bit of ease, I'm sure. It does. It does. Um, you know, but like anybody that's listening to this that haven't created a comic book yet, this is kind of like how shit goes down. Everyone no, I love that. that you guys are doing this. Like that's why that's I pointed like it out. Organized and and like private meetings and back and forth, and we're all taking notes. No, it's usually a lot of us are having cocktails at the same time. And we're just kind of like coming up with off the wall shit. You know, it's like, oh man, you know, wouldn't it be cool if this happens? Like, oh yeah, that'd be great, but we can't really fit it in this plot arc. But hey, maybe we could throw it in this one. See, yeah, I love that. I love, yeah, you guys keep going too. We just kind of keep it like uh, jazz has a a style, like when it first came out, it was called uh, Freeform, Free Flow, something like that. Um, And it was just. Yeah, and that's all it was. Yeah, it was guys going on there and just whatever came from the heart, they would play the notes. You know, they never wrote or prescripted any of the music or arrangements or any of that stuff. They just kind of like hopped on stage and started going, you know. I can't even fathom being so good a musician that I can just make up a song. Uh, having, having fronted a couple bands, it's actually not as hard as you think and i don't mean that in yeah, an arrogant way it's really not kind of like how no, you no, guys no, bounced ideas right. I, was, I was reading uh an article uh an interview they did with charles bird who is charles bird i don't know if that's right bird's the last name i know that um influential jazz musician like forever and he said that it was very easy to do because you were just feeding off other people's energy Exactly. Well, I need to know. I'd have to have a command over the instrument. Well, I mean, if I wanted to have a command sound, it would make it. <laughs> I mean, do it. I mean, well, now, don't get me wrong. For a long time. Not everything they did was a hit or sounded good. Sometimes it just sounded like fucking noise, like you would throw a Gitmo to like make a detainee break. But a lot of the stuff that, was pretty good. <laughs> so, like, some late night NPR jazz. So like Amy Schumer comedy then? Oh God! Oh, I'm Please, I will tell you where the explosives are. Don't let the fat lady talk about her vagina anymore. Oh my God! Now that she's pregnant, it's even worse. That poor baby. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something something controversial right here, right now. Uh-oh. Uh oh. The last the last Amy Schumer. 
that I watched was the other special. And I stopped, not because I found it repugnant. I simply found it boring. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of a one-trick pony. Um, I used to love her. Like, when she first came out, she came out, and I'll, I'm sure people probably already forgotten the show. It was called Last Comic Standing. Yeah. It was uh, like a Survivor-type deal, but with comedians. Um, Isn't that where Gary Goldman came from? The dude who's like, he's a big stand-up now. Gary Goldman, yeah. Gary yep. Goldman came from there. Um, there was a black guy that came from there. I can't remember his name for the life of me. I just remember him being super damn funny, and he should have won, but he didn't. Richard um, Pryor. No, 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 no. This is like a couple of decades later from Pryor. Um, <laughs> but Schumer was one of the, like the top four finalists, and all of her jokes were like vagina related. And not that I have a problem with vagina related jokes, but it was just the same joke re- reworded. You know, I mean, her her whole shtick is I'm such a slut. These are problems with my vagina. It stinks. It smells. It's whatever. Here's my problems in my dating life attributed to my vagina stinking and smelling or whatever. It's just, she never came up with new material. I mean, she tried to be edgy and she was edgy at first, you know, cause it was comedy that you didn't really hear before. It's like, man, women really don't talk about this type of stuff. And it's kind of funny. You know, it's, it, it was one of those, I shouldn't laugh at it because you are confronting me with this and I'm not supposed to laugh at it. I want to laugh at it. So it's kind of like a cheap, yeah, it's, cheap way to get, get laughs. But it, the, the comedy never you can work with that. You can, you can but she just, it, well, what what sold me on what, what sold me on the you know no more Amy Schumer thing was actually and you know the leather special was actually going uh, going against my own feelings on this because this happened some time ago now even before the leather special uh, when she got the show inside Amy Schumer she was just caught red handed stealing stealing other people yep she's a yeah. Carlos Mencia Carlos I was just gonna say Carlos Mencia or as yeah. other comics called him Carlos Menstilia. Ben Steele, yeah. Joe Rogan called him that. Did he really? I, I knew I heard it from somewhere. <laughs> he went to one of Mencia's shows and just waited for him to use one of his one of Rogan's jokes. And he went up there and just just hopped on stage, just confronted with it. I was like, hey, Carlos Menstila. That's you awesome. Know, eventually, eventually he fucking left, which is sad because I was wait, wait, wait. The, the Carlos Mencia show when I was on Comedy Central. Hold on. Joe, Ro- Joe Rogan bought a ticket to one of his shows? Bought a, a ticket to Carlos Mencia's show. Waited for him to perform. Waited him. Waited for him to use one of Joe Rogan's jokes, and then hopped on stage and fucking just creamed him. That's awesome. See, I kind of, I kind of uh, got yeah. out of stand-up Joe comedy. Uh, zero fucks. He doesn't. That that's yeah, what happens when you drop like eight hits of acid and get in a hyperbaric chamber for like eight hours every day. That guy is constantly trying to expand his mind through the most pharmaceutical means possible. Oh my god, yeah, I'm gonna go in this sensory deprivation chamber on like half a vial of LSD by myself. I'll see you in eight hours. My, like, three days later, he's like, dude, very, that was the best experience of my life. Yep. <laughs> see if we have some water. It's just not a comic show, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a culture show. Now, the... I I'm actually trying to uh, trying to decide what side of the fence I'm I'm on. Uh, hearing that thing, I'm sure it happened years and years ago now. But um, I, I think drunk I can get before I have to sober up and go to work. I think if <laughs> I don't remember how public you've been about what you do. Uh, oh shit! Um, I retract that. Yeah. I'm drinking water and chamomile tea. 
I know nothing. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of the persona I have in the I don't know that I would have handled uh, that in in quite the same way. Not out of uh, not for not wanting to be confrontational. Um, I just uh, I don't I don't know if that was the classiest move. Joe Rogan had every right. I just don't know if that was the classiest move he could. Have well, made. I think up until that point, if like history, <laughs> if I remember my history quite correct, with the confrontation between those two. Is that Joe had tried other civil means yep. to get him to stop, and Carlos would still steal material uh, from and other Carlos people. Carlos would still either he would steal it or just flat out reject the notion that he was stealing. And then yeah, Rogan wasn't the only comic Rogan that was talking was about just, it either. He, no, he he kept it pretty low key until he just started hopping on stage where he was at because no other means were working. So. I, I mean, I think the last two stand-up specials I was able to sit through, and I used to love stand-up comedy, was uh, Chappelle's two-parter. Well, both his oh. two-parters on Netflix, and yeah. then uh, Gervais's Humanity. Uh, I haven't seen either of those. You need to watch Ricky Gervais's Humanity on Netflix. Yeah. That y'all, it's comedy the way it was. Like, there's nobody in the PC crowd who's able to shut the door on him. Like Sarah Silverman oh, coming you up. No, I saw, I saw the tail end of that. Like Sarah uh, Silverman coming up, telling the most vile jokes and being legitimately funny, and then arriving at the top of the mounting and closing the door behind everybody else. Like, nope, can't talk about this anymore. Like, that's the state of comedy right now anyway, so I just really don't want anything I to do to with like it. I like Sarah Silverman until she went, like, full-on woke. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, a lot of these comics were hilarious, and now they're like, yep, these are the new rules. Uh, we came up with no rules, embracing no rules. And Unless you have rules that oppose our rules, or we don't, you know. Yeah, so now, like, there's so many doors closed on comedy. Like, for Jerry Seinfeld with his legacy to turn around and be like, I will never do a college again, that'll let you know how bad the state of comedy is. Yeah. Right. Well, you that's the thing that I really respect about Ricky Gervais is that R Ricky Gervais is as liberal as they come, but he respect uh, he respects the concept of free speech. It's just like you get to say whatever you want, and everyone gets to deal. Dude, you know, the, it's not and see, and that's just it. Is he's a liberal? He's not a leftist. And what I'm seeing is conservatives and liberals are actually starting to match up on a lot of things because the they were always really similar. <laughs> They they were right, and and that's and, and that's the sad thing about this proposed divide that we're supposedly all live on is that most people actually aren't that close, that far apart. But the left, because they run so many media outlets, and I mean, what one of our guys that I think we're we're probably all friends with on Facebook this week said that his his funded book that's the last thing he's doing, and then he's leaving comics. Because he was just like, this culture is disgusting. It's completely infiltrated by one side. And I'm tired of dealing with it. I don't want to name him or anything because that's his business. But I know. may have missed it. So I'll, I'll hit yeah. you up offline. Yeah, I'll show I'm you. Sure but but he did. He said, he said, I think it's his <laughs> book is like Avani or Alani or something like that. And it got funded. And he's like, that's it. After that, I'm done. You people suck now. Like, your fandoms no, are gross. Uh, the people Vin who Vintani or something like that. Vin, Vin, shit. Is the the I name said. of the book was was it I think with a v. I think so. Yeah, it, th that dude. He, he said he's out after. He's done. Well, it's a, it's a, I, if I if I remember correctly, it's a low key comic comic book. 
Probably, and that's why. But he's he was just like the state of comics at large is so disgusting right now that no, as, I'm out. And, and, and we we have some similar friends, Jason, and I see it all the time where they want one side wants to paint the other side with such a broad brush. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like on one side they're like, oh well, I would never paint somebody with a broad brush. You know, I believe this, this, and that. You know, inclusivity, diversity, and all that stuff. And then. Not two posts later, it's like these comics gay people. You know, Nazis. So I'm not gonna, see, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna weigh in the the comics gate or anti comics gate. Yeah. Thing. I just like I've I've watched it as a consumer movement and it has a lot of success. And I've seen dickheads on both sides of the fucking fence. Yep. Yes, that's the that, that's the key. You thing know, about I've seen it. I've seen but radicals the, on, on both sides of the fence. So like Ren from this, that shit takes shit too far. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have some other people on on the comic skate side that take shit too far, but usually they're they're not as uh, high profile as people like Renfemus on the other side. Dude, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, like, about, oh, sorry, Steve, go ahead. Uh, the uh, the the other thing about the the anti comic skate uh, movement, or you want to talk about pros in the industry and stuff like that, is that. Um, there are there are plenty of people on on the comic skate side. Now we've got our radicals too. Uh, there are plenty of people on the comic skate side, like uh, like myself, uh, who want this to be just a straight up inclusionary. Let's all make comic books and have a good time, sort of thing. Right. Um, and the, and the thing is, is that if you're on the pro side, if you're on the anti comic uh, skate side, and you don't recognize comic skate as anything except for a hate group, well, you may as well just pack your shit and get out. Well, man, they're they're really gonna pull their hair out when I release Corvid and Sparrow, where the protagonist is a female duo team, one of which is from Mexico, a person of color, written by a person of color. What? You know, you're my, still a Nazi. My the the management and the leadership in my company. I am I am the token white guy. My vice president is a is a woman of color. You know, one of my lead writers is a person of color. You know, these guys are going to flip shit when I release a comicscape book or a pro comicscape book that is about characters that aren't from America. It ain't an America book. You know, I ain't reading it then. Characters that, you know, it, it's a girl power book, but it's it's done realistically. You know, there's women empowerment there, but it's very uh, real it's not, empowerment. It's it's more human empowerment, it's right. like an individual empowerment. It's like one person's motivated by revenge, and, and through the course of this story, learns that you know if you're going to go after you know it's the, the age old adage, you know those that seek revenge better dig two graves. Right. Uh-huh. You know, but since there's already a book out there called "Dig Two Graves," I can't do that. <laughs> but know? I mean, if you want to hear how toxic all this has gotten, right? So I don't make comics. I just talked to you guys. I've talked to people at Marvel and DC and IDW and Top Cow and you know what I mean? Like all these different indie publishers that don't even really have one. They sell fun books. There's no real well, label yeah, on the front. That's what I'm getting to. Okay. So I have a Twitter account, right? It's for the show. It's actually called Gnar- my profile name was Gnarly Canary, which is how I introduced myself on the show. Non-political Twitter account, multiple thousand followers, right? But I let I let the guard slip a little bit, and I've watched so many creators um, that I even followed and had on the show. There's a couple that I won't name because they've been on the show, but I watched them just become these vicious hate monsters on social media toward people. And it wasn't even like 
you know, like, I'm going to say a super right-wing talking point. It was like, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this point. And then it'd just be like, quit buying my books and, I, you know, I hope your children die and da-da-da-da-da. And comic industry doesn't need any of you kind of people and da-da-da-da-da. White men need to shut up, all that stuff, right? Oh, Jesus. And, right, so through knowing a bunch of indie artists, I got, I started getting these follows from Comicscape people. I didn't even really know what it was. Well, I did an episode with John Malin, and I agreed with a lot of what he said, but I let him go. And he was he was in the middle of a controversy at the time, so the episode is very heated, and you can hear it. He sounds like right wing Jesus through that whole thing um, about how every. Oh, so got your Twitter shut down. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to, right? So, oh, geez. Yeah, so, so here I am, multi-thousand follower account, right? It's how I promote my show. I've never really built up my Facebook. That's why my friend count is so low on Facebook for having a two-year-old podcast, because everything was on Twitter, right? Multi-thousand follower account, da-da-da, all these connections, lots of blue checks that followed me from every industry, so it was easy to get guests and do episodes weekly, and it was really rolling, and I wasn't hurting anybody. The show's not political. I make my jokes, and people know that yes i believe in god yep the bible is a good book to live your life by yes i want my guns leave me alone all taxation is theft right but i've never pontificated or preached on an episode right, right. but i mean i'm pretty like anarchist conservative and um think of like cassandra fairbanks but a dude and um so hot <laughs> but I had, uh, but I had John Malin on, right? And I just gave him a platform. Well, all of a sudden, it started on the iTunes reviews first. I started getting negative reviews that I give platforms to Nazis, and I did da 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 da. da. Within like a oh couple, within a couple days. On Twitter, I, I start. Put I it out here to the listeners: if you accuse anybody of being a Nazi, just to shut them down, you. Ma'am or sir are in fact the fucking Nazi. <laughs> you are a jack-booted brown yeah. shirt. Yeah. You are a brown shirt. <laughs> so you know, Nazis yeah, haven't existed. The, the Nazi population, if you actually look it up, is fucking minuscule. It's like a goddamn fly fart. It's so mundane and inconsequential to the grand scheme of things. You constantly yeah, and, and the other does not help anything. You constantly saying, "Oh, I want to punch a Nazi." When you neckbeard fucking basement dwelling motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, they you can know, punch me. Like, you think I'm a Nazi? You try and punch me, I'm going to send you home with a lunch and a note attached saying your son attempted to fucking be something he's not, and he failed. Here's a sandwich. Right. So. So, so all this starts happening in, in uh, iTunes out. reviews. And no, and, and, they, and they all got taken down. Um, you know, like people either deleted them or whatever. But on Probably Twitter, I started getting I started getting put in all those, what do they call them, lists or whatever. Um, block lists. Yeah, like you, you got, got added to this list, Nazi. You got added to this list, fascist. You got added to this, this list, not good people. Like some of them were stupidly named. Like I literally got put on a list called not good people. Um, and then I started God, getting. How do I get on that list? Actually, <laughs> I'm probably already on it. Well, probably. then I started getting notifications that I was a fascist. Like people come at like large numbers of of uh, Antifa and Democrat socialist accounts. Like we've decided that you're a fascist. We've established you're a fascist. Da, da, da. This is all off of one guest, right? It was a two year old show. I had one guest out of that whole two years. And then they started saying they were going to bash the fash, whatever that meant. I started getting lots of messages, get ready to get bash fashed. And within two days, 
my account was permanently suspended and I'd never violated anything on Twitter before. And now I don't have a Twitter and I lost 90% of my fan base because I, because I had one guest on dusty tortillas. No, seriously. (laughs) Like I lost 90% of my fan base because I had one guest on. That's the left, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. That's retarded. Yeah, I, I, I really want to echo what Nick was saying. Is that like when it comes to when it comes to Nazi tactics, when it comes to what when it comes to what true fascism is and stuff like that, deplatforming is the weapon of the regime. Okay, if your if your ideas cannot if your ideas cannot be challenged. They're the wrong ideas. Right. If you, cannot, if you cannot survive dissent, if you cannot survive a debate, then you are the one who has the problem because you're the one who's saying, don't question me, don't look at the man behind the curtain because if you scratch the surface, I will bleed. I am not... A- <laughs> I, uh, uh, not only am I not a golden idol, but I'm uh, but I'm pretty thin skinned and that's exactly uh, that's exactly what not, uh, what Nazis did at the time. What, what it boils then, down to is there are a bunch of paper tigers. Yeah. Yep. And, and, but the thing is, is that when it comes to you, the thing is, is that this can be extremely effective. Uh, See, yeah, and that's the sad thing is that the the paper tigers are also the ones that run these these media platforms. That's the problem. You know, like I follow Steven Crowder and like what, what Crowder goes through is ridiculous. Oh, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. You know, I, I listen to a a variety of of news sources. I I want to consider myself a well-informed human being. So I'll listen to CNNBC. I'll listen to CNN. I'll listen to Fox news. I'll listen to BBC. I'll listen to Al Jazeera when it was still around. I think it's called AJ plus now. Um, you know, you know, yeah, the Allah, you know, which is, you know, I'm a combat vet. So anybody screaming that, I, I want to put two in because usually that meant they were trying to kill me. Oh my God, dude. Okay, hold on. I don't mean to derail you, but speaking of the, of the Aloha snack bar group, um, I was driving to work today and th- there was a woman, she was maybe three and a half feet tall, covered head to toe, right? And I'm in Georgia, dude. It was like 80 something degrees today. She. Full to the ground, and the only thing I could think of is I wanted her to scream "Hootini!" She looked just wow, like a freaking Jawa walking down the sidewalk. So, but oh. and I felt so bad for her. Like here, we have like water parks and stuff, and they are and they are in full clothes with just their feet in, and the men are just like laughing it up and in wearing speedo, yeah, and just trunks and swimming, and the boys are swimming. And I'm like old chain, all greasy. But see, that's the other thing I don't understand with the left is like, how do you? How do you do the neural handshake, right? If it takes two people to pilot a Jaeger, you can't put LGBT <laughs> I, I rights and Islam in the same Jaeger. You're going to bring up Pacific Rim. Like you can't, you can't put the LGBT plus AEIOU and sometimes Y community and reconcile them with 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 the Islamic community. That that's not a neural handshake. It's like there's just so much stuff about the left I don't understand. No, like, I've I've. Watch the fundamentalists <laughs> throw people from the LGBT community off fucking buildings for being what they are. I know, but those freaking Christians, though, ugh, Mike Pence won't be with a woman by himself in Chick-fil-A. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. You know what I mean, I though? Like, that. like that. I use that as a pejorative of, like, are you fucking retarded? Like, so, yeah, but I mean, like, that's... That's where... I've served this country since I was 17 years old. I'm 40 years old now. Right. All right. 
I've been around a variety of different races, ethnicities, religions, and I've got along with mostly all of them, except for the guys that were trying to kill me, and that's the Aloha Snack Bar crowd. Right. You know, those guys have blown me up and have tried to kill me so many goddamn times in 18 months, I lost count. You know, so when I got back, I I was able to petition for one of my interpreters who's not an Aloha Snack Bar crowd he's a he's a devout muslim but he believes in the tenets of peace the uh, right i i don't know whether it's the sheer the fucking whatever but anyway so he lives not only he, he lives an hour away from me now he got relocated he got over here on a, a political asylum or a refugee status nice or what you know and he's going to school here and he's doing great things and it's great to have somebody that i shared these experiences with close by you know, so anybody that ever tries to come here, well, you hate Muslims, you do this, you know, I'm like, no, I don't. Like, one of my best friends in the entire fucking world is a Muslim. Muslims don't bother me. Islamists you know, Muslims do. Jihadists. <laughs> right, Islamists do. <laughs> like, we have a Sikh who lives in our neighborhood, dude, and I was so relieved. When I saw that we had a Sikh family in here and, and, you know, me and my wife were talking about it, I'm like, I love that dude lives two houses down because if anything ever pops off here, he'll be outside before I am gunning them down. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. That, that guy's got a split-second lead on you on any Aloha snack bar incident. See? And that's just, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've fought a lot of those guys, and those guys give zero fucks, and they hate those dudes. They hate them. Like, Americans kind of, sort of hate them, but we kind of forget about them. These guys, like, are born hating these dudes, you know? For like, good reason. Go out of their way to, like, fucking stop a jihadist in their tracks. As I understand it, like, they're, they're, like, they're, they're literally, uh, uh, they're literally a, a sect and an ideology that was, uh, that was, that was founded on the principle of, I think, protecting uh, uh, protecting a uh, uh, part of the Indian population from part of the Muslim population, isn't that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Gurkhas. With, with Gurgans? Gurkhas. It's a very large fucking machete-like looking thing that looks kind of like a boomerang, but <laughs> it's reverse, and they will hack you to death with it. Dude, I have <laughs> seen my neighbor in full traditional garb with that thing on his hip and was just like, that is metal. Like they got like <laughs> not like Sikh special forces, you know. And these guys are wearing like the turban and stuff, and they're all decked out in like 21st century tack gear, you know. And you're like, I'm about to get killed by fucking Aladdin. You know, that sounds racially insensitive. I know it's like Aladdin is Arab and Sikhs are different, but just it, that's what it, pops into my head is just like crazy shit, you know. An onion head hat it, just. It's, nuts. We're, we're in tech here. It's a tongue-in-cheek. It's a tongue-in-cheek obs uh, observation about a certain about a certain portion of the world, painted with a broad brush. But it's for comedy, which is supposed to be sacred. Which was which is supposed to be where nothing's sacred. 
Exactly. That's supposed to be in the rule. And um, one thing I was one thing I was thinking about when you talked about the neural handshake uh, with. Uh, with extremely with extremely liberal people talking uh, talking about um, people who's uh, who believe that their religion is guiding them towards uh, towards uh, murder of the LGBT community, it's once again you go back to radical individuals who are very very comfortable painting with a very 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 broad brush, where they're right. saying, oh, you know, Mus- uh, Muslim or is- uh, Islam is is the religion of peace because of these tenets. Well, no. Okay, it's difficult to go to any ancient religion and say that they're nice on, on the whole. You well, have well, people to, within ideologies who uh, who adopt peace or they don't. I know? agree with you 100%. Right. And, and, and here's here's where we kind of bring it back to the comics realm. Um, I've seen a lot of indie creators that have zero experience with that part of the world, that religion. You know, they, they maybe did a Wikipedia search you know, and try to base characters based off of it, and uh, yeah, you know, and 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 it falls short because they're using it. It it, it seems pandering at best. Yeah, it's just the most basic like. surface level traits. You know, um, like Marvel used to do cool shit back in the day. Like you had a character called Masad, which was this Jewish superhero female. Yeah, you know, very very progressive, late eighties, early nineties. You know, and there is a secret organization or special forces unit in the Israeli army called the Mossad. Like <laughs> yeah, there the is. You know, and they took this character and just like, you know, what? she's a superpower. She's a superhero. Fuck it. Her name's Mossad. That's what we're going to call her. You know, that's back when like Marvel was really fucking cool and really edgy and was bringing in not forced diversity, but natural diversity. This character fit in the world that which she existed in. See, and that's been my argument forever, though, is that the comics industry has had more diversity in it before diversity was such a buzzword. Like, right. comics has always been the most open medium for everything. Like, I don't understand why, like... Look at it. Look at uh, We can go back. I, like, I, like, all these groups like and stuff that are like, diversity in comics, and you're like, what the heck are you talking about? New Mutants. New Mutants in the, in the mid-80s was diversity at its finest. You know, before Cable and Domino and Deadpool and all Yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. You had, you had people of color involved. You had people that were trans-species, you know, with Wolfsbane. You know, you had Sunspot, who was a Brazilian national, you know, but we can take it back even further than that. Giant Size X-Men number one, what the fuck was that? That was an international team... 75% yep. of it was people of color. Yep. Like, yeah, like, I mean, think about how, how long Black Panther's been around, right? From was, was from that issue. Here's my thing, like, how long has Black Panther been around? Uh, I think it was like 63. Yeah, no, okay, so then, because 20, I don't think we're in the 2010s. Oh, you know what, that, I think that's like... It, uh, that's like issue 143, so that would have been a little later, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, look at Luke Cage, look at look at Blade, look at you know, well, like that's what I mean. Like, comics has always been before most other forms of entertainment. It was the it's always been the oh, most shit. diverse, other than yeah. like sci-fi yeah. and stuff. It's always been the most diverse community. That's why I don't understand why those. 1966 is when Black Panther came on the scene. See, Damn, I was close. You were close. You were off by three, man. I was pretty close. But we're also talking about the height of racial divide tension. 
know. But, but and um, and that's my thing. Like, why have we let this left wing ideology of this stuff like infiltrate a community that was like forty years ahead of everyone else on I, I organic diversity and organic I inclusion? Do have a theory on that because we got a lot of people that are like my age and your age, Jason, that had parents that were like caught the tail end of the hippie movement. You know the like us against the man, you know, not realizing that they had already won, you know, or we're just going to carry on this, um, rebel without a cause. Yeah. This romanticized idealism of, you know, and, and creating a problem where there was none. So they could give themselves a sense of purpose. They needed a mean, yeah, they needed meaning, you know, um, comics have always been a diverse platform. It's always been a diverse medium. Uh, it's one of the things I really enjoy about it. It's given me a really broad scope of things. Um, and then obviously my my encounters in the military and my travels in the military yep. have, have broadened that scope. You know, So that's why I laugh when anybody wants to call me a bigot or a racist or anything else. I'm just like, well, I don't remember seeing you there as I shielded my used myself as a human shield against what you would consider a person of color to make sure they didn't get any fucking bullets in them. Exactly. You know, a racist wouldn't do that. I'm, I'm far from it. I'm a, I'm a lover of humanity, but I'm also a lover of fucking cognitive reasoning and common sense. So that's just it, dude. We were the last generation. I think the three of us can say my wife, definitely. We were the last generation that weren't raised like, like pussies. You know what I mean? We didn't get participation trophies. You know, our, our, we never had a sense of, and we had to work for everything that we had. And isn't it crazy you know? that my Mohawk having, ex Juvie record having, punk rock, damn the man mentality, I never had to step off of my beliefs because the the side of open mindedness and tolerance has become so venomous. <laughs> I, I, I mean, no, I not at all because if the left really- projected their fascism anymore if they projected any harder they'd literally have samsung written on this uh, written on their side you know some of these guys it's like if they were ever to look at me they would never suspect that in my younger years i was this huge fan of the dead kennedys you know the smiths the dead milkmen yep. the ramones you know Dude, I, I grew up in punk and hardcore, hardcore bands punk loving motherfucker you know, half of my junior year going into half of my senior year. Luckily, there's no photographic evidence of this little experiment of mine. <laughs> you know, my mom wouldn't let me shave my head. She wouldn't let me grow mohawks. So I was like the only guy in the crowd that had like a full head of hair that was like decently trimmed and cut. <laughs> you know, but here I am wearing the leather jacket, the fucking studs, the plaid pants, the Doc Martens, the chains. You know, and who would have thought that years later I'm going to be a respected member of fucking society and like hold a government position which i'm not going to name because i don't need fuckers dogs in me but i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't ask you to either (laughs) but just let i just want to let you know that you dox me i do have the authority to throw you on a no-fly list bitch so (laughs) so but you know what's crazy dude is you take like our punk right you take like 80s 90s punk and you take the lyrics and you see who it applies to now, and it'll actually, I think it would kind of break their hearts if they knew that, like, all the oh, stuff I, I that was punk rock and counterculture conservatism, now. Conservatism right now is the new punk rock. Right, like, but I think it kind of always has been. Right on, 
Yeah, well, this whole right-on uh, uh, left-wing counterculture, we're going to fight the man thing, like, that is exactly conformity. But it's now. not a counterculture. It's mainstream. That's the thing. It's like you yeah, guys that's what won. I'm, that's what I'm saying. You're not a counterculture anymore. Conservative. Conservatism. Conservativism. God, I've had way too much to drink. <laughs> anyway, being part of the conservative movement. Oh, man, that flowed a lot better. Anyway, being part of that really is kind of like the new punk rock, you know, and... That, I don't know, dude. I think it always has it, been. Because the new counterculture. Because think about conservatism, right? Conservatism is screw the man, you don't get my money. Screw the man, you don't get my guns. Screw the man, everybody has a right to live. It's about freedom, right? Right, yeah. Screw the man. If and you punch me, like, I'm going to punch those you. Those guys like the Sex Pistols, that's what those guys were singing about in the, uh, the early 70s all, all the way up. We'll put it this way, dude. John Lydon is on our side in interviews. The lead singer of the okay. Sex Pistols, right? Billy oh, Corgan yeah. broke every liberal John heart. Lydon's actually the person who coined the phrase, conservatism is the new punk rock. Right. right. Wait, what, what did Billy Corgan do? Billy Corgan is on our side. That's oh. smashing punk. Yeah, like, Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at, like, almost... God, I hope you're being funny right now, Steven. Otherwise, I'm terminating this friendship. <laughs> what? What's wrong with Smashing we Pumpkins? Don't Stop it. Care. I like them. <laughs> I like Smashing Pumpkins. And, and, and to be honest, Billy Corgan is on our side. But. Right, like, well, I mean, th- I, if you listen to, like, a lot of the people we grew up, idolizing and you listen to them talk now a lot of them are like yeah these new people are like well if you listen to like i I listened to a radio interview with um um shit what the fuck's his name i'll still hang out with rollins one day i know i will no rollins is is a closet conservative i'll just let you know that (laughs) yeah i've i've been to his spoken word engagements he is (laughs) <laughs> he's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to classify him politically, probably libertarian, right leaning. Yeah, but, uh, but you, you know, I think that uh, I, I thought it was I think that him playing a Nazi and Sons of Anarchy, but whatever, you know, a roll's a roll and money's money. But um, Kurt Cobain, uh, if you listen to some of his earlier radio interviews, yep. You listen to it today, and you're like, holy shit, that's very conservative. Here, the biggest thing about that, right, is... You know, and at the time, he was the biggest liberal voice, you know? So it's like, you see this, like, shift in dichotomy and, and ideology of of the youth, the youth culture, you know? You're, you're starting to see a lot of these guys that were... My youngest daughter's generation is already being touted as the most conservative generation this country will ever see. Yeah, my youngest daughter is 12 years old. My oldest daughter is 14. They are some of the most conservative fucking chicks I've ever fucking met in my life. Dude, she's 12 years old, and whenever she hears the word feminism, she rolls her eyes and laughs. And that's not from me. She sees her cerebral cortex. Yeah, like, and that's not from me. it's because feminism, uh, feminism, and a lot of these, a lot of these different movements, they got memed. Um, and I, uh, I used, I used to work in education, and one thing I would notice is I would see fast tense, um, fast tense for readers at home. Yes, fast tense, and no longer work in education. Um, That's a good chance. I'm not going to work tonight. <laughs> so, I'm more like my sixth drink right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a lesser man, it would have killed him, but. This is me. We're talking about what I would see is something is something into the culture like dabbing. Dabbing was an excellent example of this. Um, dabbing was a thing for approximately three months, and then what I saw uh, because I, I worked in many different places. Um, 
with, uh, within the school district is I would see the littlest, littlest kids adopting it. And what, and what happens is, is that these things get hammered and overused so much that by the time you, uh, you know, when you're, when you're a middle schooler or a high schooler or something like that, and you've got, you've got people screaming at you about diversity, you've got people screaming at you about, uh, about, um, third wave feminism and uh, stuff like that. You're just kind of over it. Right. Like it just, it just gets old. <laughs> and, and this, and for anyone that's listening, that's kind of like anti-comic skater feeds towards that philosophy. I just want to let you all know that, you know, we're, we're open to debate. We're open to positive discourse, you know, and constructive discourse. You know, I want to know where you're coming from. We want to meet on the middle ground, you know, and kind of figure out why you came to this ideology that you have. And maybe you get to learn about how we came to this ideology that we have. And it's usually right. going to be based by worldly experience. Right. Um, like we're actually that, willing to talk. Right. Isn't that crazy? You know we don't, we won't shut you down. We won't try to steal your career. We won't, we I don't want to dox you. I don't want to get you fired. I right. You won't need extra security to come and talk to us. Like you won't need to hire your own security detail so that our inner ranks don't <laughs> rush you while you're trying to talk right. about free speech. Like we'll just talk like, to I you. I don't have an Antifa type organization that's going to pepper spray you and smoke bomb you until you don't talk anymore. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I want to hear what your words are. I want to hear your life story. I want to hear your, your ideology. I want to hear how you got to that point. You know, and then I want to have a discussion about it. Not an argument. I want to have a discussion about it. You know, extend that invitation one uh, one step further. If like this, if this whole like um, you know, fall, uh, false binary counterculture kind of thing, us versus that's them. A good, is, that's a good term. I like that. I'm gonna start. Yeah. you should coin that, Stephen, because I'm gonna oh, start the shit out of it. <laughs> um, but it well <laughs> or so well. I'm sorry. I don't remember who I so well? first heard. Uh, and say it, but the thing is, if, if this false binary culture has driven you so insane that you're incapable of civil discourse, bring your vitriol to me. But at least say something and not try to deplatform people around you, and you know, be in an ins be in an insulary chamber where you only hear your own words back at yourself. An echo chamber. That's how you that's how you get this way. You guys that's are speaking thought crime, and that is double plus on good. That's cool. I hope Zook zooks me. <laughs> no, um, what, what I was going to say is, like, br bringing it back to the music, like, I mean, how long has Tool been around, right? Like, we grew up with Tool. Oh, my God. Uh, late 80s. Right. So, Tool and Pussifer and Perfect Circle, right? So, during the Bush presidency. dude, but, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Maynard, right? So, and I think yeah. it, I don't even think it was intentional. I think if you showed it to him, he'd break his brain a little bit. He'd quit music and go back to his vineyard again. Um but he wrote the song Pet for the 13th Step album, the second Perfect Circle album. And it was oh, totally it was it was totally supposed to be a middle finger to George Bush, right? You know, like like the words to it. Look up the words to it now and listen to it now 10 years oh, yeah. later and see how it completely you know, like you know, words like don't fret precious I'm here, step away from the window, go back to sleep. Um, you know, uh let's see. You know, there's lines in there like, um, you know, keeping people, you know, free from pain and truth and choice and other poison devils. Like, if you look at the way 
the the meaning of the song has been completely hijacked and is now pointing fingers from the same ideology that wrote it not even 10 years ago. It's just crazy. I'm actually looking at it's, the one it's really just me. poetry session. <laughs> hey, uh, lay your head for a gif and you can't find it. <laughs> lay your head down, child. I won't let the boogeyman come. Counting bodies like sheep to the rhythm of war drums. Pay no mind to the rabble. Pay no mind to the rabble. Head down, go to sleep to the rhythm of the war drums. Pay no mind. To what others say, they don't care about you like I do, like I do. Safe from the pain and truth and choice of other poison and devils. See, they don't give a fuck about you like I do. So stay with me, safe and ignorant. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, think about like the CNN town hall debate that just happened and all the answers that that the Democratic platform gave. Shh, free health care loan forgiveness, free college, a living wage, even if you don't want to work, like it's uh, uh, lenient sentences. You can be a violent rapist murderer and you still keep your right to vote in jail if we win and drugs should be legal and this, and we're going to punish the rich and we're going to, and think about all the things that song says and every leftist who, who listens to that. Who, who yeah. listens to, to these politicians and they're just like, the state will take care of me from cradle to grave. And if that song doesn't encapsulate the left-wing agenda right now, I don't know what else does. And what's crazy is it was written to be a middle finger to the right-wing agenda. It's just, no, it's crazy. It's, it's totally a, a calling card for, for the left-wing agenda right now, which is the state will take care of you. But you're talking about an all-encompassing, all-empowering state. And what our forefathers believed in is a, a political body or a governmental body that has the power to give you everything you want has also the power to take everything away. And that's just and, it. We, we were supposed to have a minimal is. government and rugged individualism. I, I, I had an argument with somebody because I posted a meme about George Washington with like these glowing fierce eyes. And he goes, I started a war over 2% tax over a beverage that wasn't even coffee. You know, me and my boys would have been stacking bodies by now. Dude, I got into that comment thread with you because people got crappy. People got pissed. And I'm <laughs> like, listen, dude, he's right. Georgie and his boys would have been fucking stacking bodies right now. Oh, the founding you fathers know? would have burnt this country to the ground. They would have just started over like, okay, this didn't fucking work. Next. <laughs> Seriously. You know, next. You know, you're a dissenter. Next. Done. Killed hanged for treason, whatever. But here's the deal, is that somewhere along the way, and I'm, I'm kind of guessing it was around FDR during the Great Depression, where... Oh, that wonderful polio-ridden, riddled socialist, yeah. Oh, man, and then listen to AOC comment like, well, the Republicans are the reason why we only have two-term presidents, because they were trying to stop FDR from getting a fourth term. And I'm like, uh, bitch... And I don't use that word freely. I'm like, bitch, that dude died in office. <laughs> in his in fourth office. term. In, in his, his third or fourth term. Yeah, like, no, I think it was his term. fourth. Yeah, it was his fourth. No, his, his third term is he died two yeah, years he, in. He, he oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he made. But the amendment to the Constitution that a president could only serve two terms was enacted in 1949. Two years after fucking Roosevelt's death. So you're going to tell me that a Republican controlled... It's like, quit trying to read, rewrite history. 
All right. Stop doing They've done that. that a lot lately. Like, um, no, what was it? Like, Ilan Omar saying strategy. that. That's another thing they like to fucking placate. The Southern strategy where the Democrat platform, the Republican <laughs> platform all of a sudden switched. It did not. It's like, give me a break. Okay, so the Republicans wanted to give civil rights to people of color, which is the politically correct terminology of the day. Um, and so then when they got their civil rights, they were like, pull so the rug. Right. You're telling me a bunch of Democrats were like, no, this ain't cool. We're going to switch platforms. When the people that crossed over that were Democrats to being Republicans, there was seven of them. Seven. 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 Seven people are like, eh, you know what? How we've treated these people of color is really unfair, so I'm going to switch over to the – I'm going to get off the Democrat platform, the Democrat plantation. I'm going to cross over to the Republicans. Now, they try to rewrite history in saying that the Southern strategy was all about racism and all this shit, and that it wasn't. It was trying to get more people to be more modern thinking. You know, we're exactly. all people of human race. We're all fucking equal. We're all this. You know, the Jim Crow laws need to go away. Segregation needs to go away. Democrat you know? policy. Democrat policy. You know, and it worked. Boy, they know, hate that when they're like, "Yo, oh, you, you're in the Klan." I'm like, "No, see, I'm not a Democrat. The Klan belongs to oh, y'all." I am not. I, <laughs> I, I abhor fucking racism on any side, on any stretch. The Klan is your baby, no. Dem. Sorry. Sorry, own it. So's Jim Crow. Guess what the NRA was started for? So people of color could defend themselves against Democrats. It's a, it's actually a black founded company, you know, organization. What? Well, I mean, it was black founded with. Yeah, I thought it was just a lobby for getting more kids shot uh, in schools. I'm sorry. Charlton Heston founded the NRA the same day that he brought down. You don't speak about Jesus. <laughs> you don't speak about Jesus. That's Moses. Damn it. He was Moses. He was Spartacus. He's a goddamn national treasure is what he is, goddammit. Ding. You know, for those that are listening that think I'm just some fucking hick, but I have more degrees than a fucking thermometer and I'm a goddamn Mensa member, so... Um, I'm no, you're not. After listening to this, you're just a bigot. Yeah, well, I mean, you can reach me on any social platform. I, I kept it simple for the fucking folks playing along at home. It's at NetGarberArt, and that will be used for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch. If I don't really run a Twitch, but if you want to follow me on Twitch, go ahead. That's cool. Um, it's just me drawing comic books and shit of a non-racist variety which is probably gonna be a shock to some of the listeners but uh let me ask you something uh do you draw in black and white uh yeah there you go oh (laughs) exposed because i'm drawing in black and white but he's worse than van skyver does it make me less racist because the prominent figures in those drawings are done with black ink because had I not drawn a black ink to accept the black and white is still segregated. Oh it's my. not gray. You're worse than that Green Lantern guy I never heard of until the left told me to hate him. Guy Gardner. of Simon Boz, the guy. No, um, but it's Ethan. I everybody hated Guy Gardner. No, Ethan. Oh, EVC? Yeah. yeah. The guy I never heard of, but I'm supposed to hate him now, so he's the worst. The guy who created the Muslim Green Lantern. He's the yeah. worst. Yeah, that was just a cover. Such a bigot. Such a piece of shit. Right. That was just a cover. Tapped, uh, who tapped Jessica Cruz? 
to be one of the next Green Lanterns. And, oh, gave, uh, and gave her a mental disorder on top of it. Oh my god. Right? And, See? And that's, that's just it. Like, it's so... And I, I know we... Stop after this drink. I mean, I know we went way down the road, and I've never really done that before, but that's how ridiculous y'all sound. I want you to know that. Everything we've said, that's how ridiculous you sound. You sound like petulant children. And no, you can't have a toy because Christmas is a week away. There you go. There was this thing about... This is something... That far away, but Thanksgiving is always right around the corner. Booyah! There was a there was a, there was a Rich Meyer thing they were talking about where somebody was pointing out that uh, that EBS you know cre- uh, created Simon uh, Simon Baz and uh, tapped Jessica Cruz to be uh, to be the Green Lanterns in his uh, in his run. You know, so first Muslim Green Lantern tapped Power Ring from Earth Four or something like that. Um, who's uh, who's Hispanic? To be the um, uh, to be the current Green Lanterns, somebody uh, somebody mentioned that to uh, to an SJW online, and they were like, "Yeah," and he uh, and he's an embarrassment to comic books. <laughs> like, didn't even address it. Wait a minute. Talk about the fact that- the ring went to, but that means the why they took her germs. No. Oh, it- this is something we talked about. Uh, Green Lantern isn't your job. Right? That's why I went. Yeah, we talked about that on the first part. That's why I went there. You can't you can't let no Hispanic conversation for being Green Lanterns. He can't be a Hispanic Green Lantern. He took a germ. Hispanic Green Lantern? I'm curious. Uh I can't think of one. I can't think of Juan. No. (laughs) (laughs) Juan the Gardener? Wow. Why does every person that's of Hispanic descent need to be a gardener? No, I mean, he could be a mechanic. Oh. I'm of Hispanic descent, and trust me, there's some gardeners in my family. Or the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or he could, uh, it's just like, I don't know. But but my point (laughs) is that I don't recall ever there being a Hispanic, and here's where, like another beef that I have, is that there's not a whole lot of Hispanic representation inside comics. Uh, there really that's, isn't. That's been the way for- oh, there isn't. And and right. that's where my next crowdfunding campaign, but the next comic book from Apogee is going to be a Hispanic-led female, you know, dynamic duo. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, so because it's, it's I, I've lived down in, in the Rio Grande Valley, which is 99% Hispanic. I am a ethnic minority down here. I've learned a lot, you know, and it's inspired me to create characters that represent them the best way I know how, you know, and I've got members on my team and my staff in the company that are of Hispanic origin that helped me out with that, you know, so not just hiring a writer solely on the fact that he's Hispanic, it's solely on the fact that he's a good writer and he just happens to be of Hispanic descent and he can really add something to the story. Right. You know, so we're talking about like, just to kind of give a brief overview of what's about to about to happen you know and it's going to happen in may um this is a comic book about a secret organization that was designed to um maintain gather harness and protect the collective wealth of all human knowledge i mean known and unknown 
you know. So everything that's ever been invented for financial gain, monetary gain, military gain, whatever, these guys have collected that information, you know, so which, you know, in essence makes them probably the most powerful fucking organization on the planet, but they're designed originally for peace. And it came over from the old world. It came over from the Arab world. It came over from the Fertile Crescent, you know, where people are like, hey, man, we need to start recording some of this shit because it's pretty important. And they're like, okay, well, maybe we should come up with a language first. You know, that that's how old this thing is. And it ended up in the new world in the Sierra Madre Mountains of Mexico. You know, but that's awesome. The twist, is, the twist is, you know, these people that are in control of that organization start thinking, mm, maybe I should manipulate this to make it the world that I want it to be. And maybe I live a little better than I already live. You know, so you start getting into the absolute power corrupts, absolutely type right you know so i mean that's the story we're gonna tell and you know it, it dare i say it is a quasi comic skate book i mean i'm not gonna hail caesar I mean, on it's, um but it's it, just not a dirty word anymore it's 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 a market it's one that people like you know it's it's a good book it's it's got Strong female characters that people with, like, I have two daughters, you know, so anyone that accuses me of being sexist or misogynist, I'm going to punch them in the face. I have two daughters as well. Mainly because I'm an aggressive A-type personality and I'll protect my kin no matter what, but I have two very strong alpha fucking present females as daughters. I have a strong, somewhat alpha female as a wife, you know, so we have, we have garnered this strength in our children that are and one of them has an aptitude for art awesome i so i'm going to pass the legacy down to um moving forward you know to draw these strong demographics you know without without it being pandering and, right. and i think that's like where the big two is kind of like falling short is that it it seems pandering to a lot of us oh it's, it's like, blatantly pandering well except for the go the guys that are quote-unquote woke you know they're like, oh my god, this is so woke. You know, they're doing this, they're doing that. It's like, no, they're fucking pandering you because they want your fucking money. At least I'm honest. I want your fucking money, but I'm going to give you an entertaining story that's inclusive, but it's organic to the story. I'm not forcing diversity upon you. You know, I was. We've been talking a little bit about um, or get uh, about uh, organic diversity, non uh, without uh, uh, diversity being uh, forced. And uh, one thing, one thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, is that whenever you make a diversity character, you know, if you if you choose, um, you know, a, a, Jew, a Jewish female, what was her name again? I'm not familiar with that character. Masad. 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 Masad is very clearly a choice. You know, making uh, making Spawn black was very clearly a choice. Having a character like Black Panther, having a whole um, a whole a whole adventure in Africa, like that was a choice. Um, but the thing is, is that when they when they introduce these characters, when they used to introduce these characters, because uh, we were talking about, um, I was talking about this with uh, Professor Geek about a week ago, um, and uh, they uh, they brought up, you know, uh, somebody brought up, is it possible to make a team of all females without it seeming like you're pandering? Right. Um, and uh, what what I came up with was basically that you can, you absolutely can. 
but and you and you can have the story be um, uh, be from a fe- from a feminine standpoint. You don't have to ignore uh, you don't have to ignore their femininity, their uh, their gender, or their life experience in any way. But what you can't do, and where and where especially Marvel falls short, um, is that you have these characters that are out there and striving in spite of the fact that they're a girl. We did it, even though we're girls. Right. Well, nobody said you couldn't. <laughs> that right. isn't the struggle. <laughs> right. That isn't where it all falls falls apart. In fact, girls have been have been pro- have been propped up for the last twenty years. No. Rogue, Jubilee, Storm. I mean, the list goes on and on. And Squirrel on. Girl. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel, Squirrel Girl is the most OP fucking character in the Marvel universe right now. I've never read any of those issues. I'm sorry, but if we're giving honest opinion, it looks like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. No, Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Is it actually really good? Uh, yeah. That's uh, it's called. It's funny. Okay. I, I find it funny. It's a it's it's a com- it's a comedy book, uh, and a lot of people. It's find almost a satire, in the way that it's written. You know, because she's so overpowered. You know, and like, there's no really threat to her. You know, she'll she'll take a couple of shots, and then she acts like she's down, and she's like, "Oh, by the way, I really wasn't hurt at all, and I'm about to fuck you up." Okay, see, well, yeah, like I haven't really even read it. That's why I was saying it looks stupid. But well, I kind of Marvel one, one very, yeah. One really interesting thing about her is that, like, she's the she's the superhero paragon. Um, for for her, um, violence uh, violence is always the last thing, um, and uh, and often she solves her problems without it entirely. Wow! Um, because because she ne- she never thinks from that standpoint. She knows that she that she can kick butts and eat nuts, um, but she's all she's always looking for the more pacifist route. Um, now, where the book where the book falls apart, and I don't have any evidence of this. There are other people who are saying this, but um, uh, Henderson, uh, what was her first name? Erica, uh, Erica Henderson. Kind of show, uh, kind of showed her butter uh, on Twitter, and so people started disliking the book. It never sold well because it's Squirrel Girl, and some people found Ryan North insufferable because his uh, his humor is can be a little obvious and way overwritten. Right, um, but it's you know uh, <laughs> the first time I ever said uh, I said I was a fan of uh, Squirrel Girl early on when they still had uh, North and Henderson together. It was on a stream, and people were like, "Kick him!" Kick him, get him, uh, get him out of here, because everybody just wants to hate on that book. But the thing is, is that Comicsgate, or you know, at least not being a radical, it's about divert. It's about diversity of perspectives. You know, right. I like what I like, and you don't have to like it. Exactly. The funniest For, uh, thing I know. see on social media is when I have friends that talk shit. You know, they're obviously anti CGers. And they're talking shit about Comicsgate, and they're like, oh, they're Trump supporters, and they're this, and they're that, they're misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, this, that, and that other. And then I check their friends list, well knowing who I know in the Comicsgate community, because I don't fucking shun people based on their ideology. Right. And I see, like, oh, half your friends list are actually Comicsgaters. And then, to post something and have them comment on it in a supportive route, and I'm like, and I, and I feel the need to almost tell them, like, huh, what do you know? Anti-Comiscate and Comiscate can get along. Fucking weird, right? Yeah, it's because yeah. most of the division <laughs> is shallow bullcrap. 
Oh, it's totally shallow. And I look at it, and it's like I said before, it's the same basement dwelling neckbeard wearing motherfuckers. <laughs> you know? It's like, you're the kid I, you know, I, I was the kid that got fucking bullied for lunch money and shoved in a locker, you know, up until I hit puberty. Yep, and then, and then I, I learned that punching it, someone in the mouth made it stop. Yeah, like, once I socked you in the fucking jaw, you stopped doing that shit, you know? But that was not until my junior year of high school when I started looking like a fucking real-life adaptation of Wolverine, you know, being... I mean, I wasn't 5'3", but I was like 5'5". Five, five. I was 165 pounds of solid muscle. My moment you know? came in 8th grade on the stair landing outside of Mr. Briety's science class. Josh Cunha put me in a headlock for the last time. I knocked his tooth out when we got to high school. His family didn't have the money to pay for the tooth. He went through high school with a missing front tooth. And I was the first person I ever punched, and it was the last time uh, I ever got bullied. It's funny when you throw a name out there, because David Napier is the name <laughs> that resonates with me. And that was junior year, halfway through football. What are you guys doxing your bullies? <laughs> oh, fuck him. He was following me for a little bit until he turned out to be like ultra left-wing fucking pussy. And it was because his wife was running the fucking Facebook account. I'm sorry, if you have a joint Facebook account, you're a fucking bitch. I'm going to tell you that straight out. I don't care who fucking unfriends me over this. You're a fucking bitch. Be an autonomous human being. Have your own Facebook account. Yep. That being said, David Napier, who is this fucking stupid, mongoloid, knuckle-dragon, sloped cranium, football-playing motherfucker, and I hope I can cuss on this show, um, was... If you couldn't, this would be an editing nightmare, and I would just be crying at this point. You'd be like, oh my god, Nick, yeah. <laughs> shut up. You know, he was hassling me in the fucking, um, in the locker room. You know, and this is before I realized that, like, my height and stature kind of increased a little bit, you know, so I was kind of like unaware. I was like a superpower. I was a superhero unaware of his powers. And I just had enough, you know, he had picked on me like quite a bit throughout the season. And I just, I fucking cocked up that fucking fist and I gave a fucking shuriken from Street Fighter 2 as hard as I fucking could. Caught him right in the fucking jaw. This fucking motherfucker flew like a. Well, but it seemed like a good couple of feet. It was probably a good couple of inches. You know, I don't think I had that much power. But he laid on the ground, fucking ruling and choking on his own tongue for for a bit. You know, until we rolled him on the side, put him in a recovery position. He, after that, he was just like, "Okay, I'm not messing with this guy anymore." And but the good thing is, nobody else on the team messed with me. See, yeah, it usually just takes one. With that, with that distance, uh, Nick, we uh, we haven't we haven't seen each other face to face, but we're actually built pretty uh, pretty similarly. Uh, I, 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 it was a it was more like a controlled push. Yeah, it was it was more like a controlled push. It was a palm a palm heel strike for you, uh, uh, martial arts enthusiast. But I, I got a guy across the room. I am familiar yeah. with the palm heel strike. Yeah, <laughs> as am I. Yeah, so yeah, you can get, like, guys like us can get some pretty good distance starting real low, cogging it out there real quick. And There's no way I went through this bottle already. Oh, God, okay. All right, well, on that note, too, because I'm starting <laughs> to get texts that my wife is hungry, and... Are you guys getting tomahawk steaks again, or no? No. Oh, boo. But or before she makes herself like a sandwich in the house. kitchen, and I lose out on going out somewhere to eat... <laughs> Um, it's all good. Y'all drop your contacts where everybody can find you, and we'll wrap up this one 
But uh, after this, you guys are welcome on anytime. I tell that to every guest, but more than most, you guys are definitely welcome on anytime. Dude, have me on anytime. Just send me a message, and I'll, I'll make it happen. Heck yeah. yeah. You, got, you got my Facebook now, too. I know it took me a week because I'm real bad at Facebook, but now that, you're, now that I got you, we're good. Right, we'll, we'll drop both of y'all drop your links where people can find you and then we'll we'll wrap this one up but just consider this a chapter one listeners and you guys this is just a chapter one very cool um, so you can uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, Stephen Kemp creations and you can also check out our YouTube channel which is wayward comics you meant speak it right yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, now I feel like an asshole because I just private messaged you with all the information. <laughs> no, I was saying where, where people can find you so they can follow you and, and get involved in all your projects and fun stuff and see stuff and interact. Kind of like, what's, what's your Twitter? What's your Instagram? What's your Facebook? That. Yeah, you can find me at... Uh on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NetGarberArt. Um, you can also find me and my company, Apogee Comics. Yeah, I'm putting them out there. Cause, Heck yeah. Because we're the height of independent comic books right now. I know it's a bold statement, but when I look at sales, it's absolutely true. And we're absorbing more and more independent creators under our umbrella by the day. That's excellent. So um, we will be the next image. And a lot of people are going to be sitting here listening, like, man, that's a bold statement. I'm like, motherfucker, it's true. It's doable. I'm I'm gathering every quality product I can under a centralized umbrella, which is we what a lot of us want, strength in numbers. So that being said, follow us on at Apogee Comics on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, you can also follow the website, www.apogeecomics.net, where we have products for sale. We just added a new product, which is Chess, number one, along with our other favorites of Phantom Hawk, the Crimson Guardians, and Megali. Um, so that is your one-stop shopping for everything that's Apogee. And there's more growing. We have more titles coming along 2019 and into 2020. Excellent. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, the, uh, the Ballad of Dusty Tortillas has been completely funded, so mm-hmm. stop by on, uh, on Indiegogo right. and search the Ballad of Dusty Tortillas. Um, you have fi- uh, one, uh, $1 gets you a thank you, but $5 will get you the, uh, will get you the story in digital format, and we have lots of very, uh, very appealing te- tears there. Tears there. This book is coming. It is officially done. Send us some money. We are going to send you a quality, uh, quality western drawn by me. So yes, you're sir. in for a treat, and it's going to be some ultra violence and some ultra comedy, and it's going to be great. We have a perfect hybrid of uh, fantastic writing talent, along with with <laughs> with the risk of tooting my own horn. Fantastic drawing talent as well, and fantastic coloring talent with DC Alonzo, who's just going to make my shit art look awesome. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for you, fan base. You guys don't hang up, but that's it for y'all. See you next time.